Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast, the year is 2019. It sure is. Uh, this is the podcast where we cast our eyes back through time at a year in the past through musical history via the number one hits on the ARIA charts, the Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and ask ourselves what the fuck was going on. Yeah, indeed. Look, uh, 2019, it's a mere four years ago at this point, Tom. Um, last year of the decade, so next episode mm. we'll get to do a full decade wrap of, of everything that was great about 2019, yes. uh, 2018, the 2010s. Yeah, the whole decade. So much good stuff in there as well as we've <laughs> gone through so far mm. over the past few episodes. Uh, what can you tell me? About 2019. Uh, sure. Uh, just one thing first. If you want to follow along with the videos, uh, just look at the YouTube link in the description. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, 2019. I mean, it was a year of contrasts, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just fallback <laughs> thing for um, oh. any sort of travel commentary. <laughs> Land of contrasts. Uh, across the world, uh, protesters hit the streets as though they were auditioning for a 1982 breakdancing movie. Mm, uh, in yeah. Hong Kong, pro-democracy candidates swamped pro-China candidates in elections, setting up an inevitable conflict with that silly old poo bear. Um, Algerians took to the streets in February, eventually forcing their president to resign. Sudanese protesters pushed out President al-Bashir. Protests shook Bolivia, India, Nicaragua and Russia. Chileans hit the streets to fight inequality, whilst a proposed tax on WhatsApp in Lebanon unleashed a flood of anger. Goodness. I don't know, Ben, maybe they hadn't heard of Telegram or something like that. That The WhatsApp tax, (laughs) I forgot about that one. (laughs) The end of fuel subsidies sent the Iranians into the street, and demonstrations rocked their mates Iraq, raising questions about the country's future, questions which would shortly be answered with Trump's reply of, how about I let 5,000 Taliban troops out of jail at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other news, uh, hit TV satire Black Mirror achieved notoriety with an episode about an Australian MRA who goes on a social media inspired hate crime gun massacre, live streaming the entire thing to the fictional website uh, f- Facebook, which in a bit of dodgy writing somehow broadcasts the whole thing in real time, you know. Damn. But yeah, the TV episode was dismissed by conservative media as left wing straw man nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, anti gun propaganda and the typical leftist bogeyman threat of imaginary Nazis hiding in every bush. Yeah. Uh, when it was pointed out that they were watching the news in the real world where this had actually occurred, they decided it was probably a mental health issue and went back to grifting incels by telling them they're in a war of civilization against brown people. Yeah. So, yeah, that fixed that problem. Uh, in music, Ariana Grande made history when the superstar became the first act to land the number one, two, and three spots on the Billboard Hot 100 chart wow. since the Beatles did it in 1964. Cool. And the only solo act ever to do so. Uh, I think we can agree this disproves the charts haven't changed in 60 years. <laughs> Not at all. And that scientifically, in terms of talent, it goes Paul McCartney, Ariana Grande... John Lennon, yep. Ed Sheeran, mm-hmm. 
baby shark, yeah. cat on a Roomba, and the black eyed peas. That's, For sure. That's your cultural top ten. Yeah, absolutely. And the absolutely. next time we're sending a gold record into space, it's going to have you know all of that music carefully inscribed, <laughs> etched, in etched on there. Indeed. Speaking of talent, uh, Rihanna was named the richest female musician in the world at six hundred million bucks, which she's probably doubled by now. And I realised I'd been confusing Fenty with Fendi for about a decade, just because they're fashion labels that make exactly <laughs> the same shit and have almost the same name. Absolutely. Uh, and Robert Sylvester Kelly, R to his friends, uh, was finally released from the closet he'd been trapped in and oh. brought up on charges of <clears throat> 10 counts of aggravated sexual abuse related to four alleged victims, failing to pay more than $160,000 in child support to his ex-wife, 11 charges of various sex crimes, 13 federal charges involving child pornography and obstruction of justice, racketeering, several violations of the Mann Act regarding white slavery and forced labour, engaging in prostitution with someone under 18, hiring someone underage for sexual contact, and bribing a government official in 1994 in order to get a fake ID for Aaliyah when she was 15 so he could marry her. Mm. Sounds like more woke news from the cancellation brigade being to me. Tell me about it. Free oh. R. Kelly. Cancel culture. I know. Oh, At its worst time. Out of hand. It? Exactly you know, right. Living in an any state. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Um, is it still okay to play um, I Believe I Can Fly at your wedding? Is that still fine? <laughs> can you still do that? Like with R. Kelly being well, cancelled? Well, I hope so. Because I haven't covered up the tattoo yet. No. I'm still trying no, no, to think no. of a clever way of rephrasing I believe I can fly you know I was thinking about somehow trying to work aerosport into yep. the logo you know yeah 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 with aerosport you can fly maybe crossing out the top part but I yeah. reckon what I've done with mine is Tom I've made it um, I believe I can and then where it says fly I've tried to sort of wedge in pretty fly for a white <laughs> guy because that's aged a lot better so <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely yeah. Yeah. So, I believe I like pretty uh, fly for a white yeah. guy Perhaps, uh, hopefully noodles <laughs> is, doesn't end up on sex charges or so I'll, either, I'll be in trouble Christ imagine how many off <laughs> that tattoos that noodles yeah. noodle we're going around from the late 90s oh uh, yeah there'd be a few I imagine <laughs> definitely um, in movie news yeah. sorry uh, the box office biggest movies of 2019 were mm. Avengers Endgame Ooh. The Lion King ah. Frozen 2 uh-huh. Spider-Man Far From Home <laughs> okay. Captain Marvel Jesus Joker Star Wars Episode 9 The Rise of Skywalker Toy Story 4 Aladdin and Jumanji colon The Next Level so literally not one uh, thing that isn't uh, <laughs> part of a franchise or a sequel or a remake. Yes. That's, that's good to Two see. Two CGI remakes of cartoons based on ancient fairy tales. Six sequels, including a sequel to a remake based on uh, a movie, based on a book, based on a board game. Yep. And two movies about an existing character who's already appeared in TV shows, movies, and comics since 1958. Yep. There was exactly one hit movie song from Out of That Lot, which we'll discuss later. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal favourite for best songs from that year goes to Welcome to the Jungle from Jumanji, Cold in the Next Level. Oh, good. Uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 from Joker by R. Kelly supporter Gary Glitter, who's still okay <laughs> with yeah. for people for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the song that captured everyone's hearts in 2019... Friend Like Me, bracket, end title, end bracket, featuring full stop DJ Khaled by William F. Smith uh, from the Aladdin remake, which was a timely reminder for all of us that Will's true original talent was for definitely holding notes without computer assistance and concocting raps such as 
watch out, it's the genie with the attitude. When I'm out of the lamp, man, I'm out of control. And please don't get me started. I'm fly like a magic carpet. Fucking uh, hell, are they the real lyrics? They are the real lyrics. Christ on a bike. That's, um, hey, that's look, good stuff. the public had been crying out. They'd said, Men in Black 2, Men in yeah. Black 3, this is all very well, but why have you stopped doing songs where well, you we've, rap we've, the story of the so, the movie yeah, where's yeah. the pursuit of happiness rap in? Yeah, exactly. where's the seven pounds rap I know we've raised this before and it's good to see him back in the rap game with mm. such sublime <laughs> lyrical content that really really spell out what that sort of film is about so. mm. and also seriously I mean Chris Rock he'd been warned <laughs> when he's out of the lamp he's out of control he should have heeded right. that and, you know. for sure but I guess one doesn't think that when you're up on stage at the Oscars <laughs> that some the lyrics from an Aladdin soundtrack song are actually going to come true so I don't know maybe, yeah. maybe you should have known but. if you pardon me right at the top uh, yep. I'll just try for some Stephen King style foreshadowing here yep. this is a really fucking weird year in the charts this oh. one yeah. in the Aries there were only 10 number ones this year which yep. is the first Two of them were songs from previous years popping up again, yep. which is also a first. Mm. Six of the remaining eight were from new contenders to the throne, which makes a nice change from last year, which was mostly a Drake Grande Sunday oh, sort of thing. Hell, yeah. And the biggest song of the year was one of the new artists, and she was Australian, and the song didn't just beat the record for longest Aussie song, but smashed the record of total weeks for any number one song, yep. knocking off Ed Sheeran, which is always worthy of a golf clap. Absolutely. I mean, 21 weeks, Ben. It must have been a pretty amazing song to have done that, though. Um, well, we'll get to it later, I think. Um, <laughs> yes. So, I, I no, spoilers. Oh, no spoilers. Let's hit no, the, assume, let's hit the music. Absolutely. Let's let's do that. But yeah, you're right. A lot of lot of lots to talk about this week. So Ten songs. For the, yeah, I when back when we were in '83, we were talking about you know 2019. You know, Getting whatever. 20 songs an episode sometimes. Mm. Yeah, or, yeah. The like, I, I thought in the future it would be more fractalized. There'd be more little bits of songs popping up everywhere. But in, in fact, it's the other way around. The streaming know? era is weird because you're right. Yeah. You think, okay, I, as a consumer, now have access to yeah, every song so that's ever been written music. via Spotify. So yeah. you'd think people would be a lot, yeah. That's right. Sort of the death of the monoculture, a lot more fragmented. You'd think there's going to be mm. just a new number one song every week. Yeah, or, you know, yeah. from gonna, all across be, the world. We're going to have 50 songs yeah. in a year. One might stick around for two weeks, but yeah, there's going to be a lot more of mm. that. Not just songs that are released now, but songs released in the past yeah. that have popped up in something, um, whether it's a TV show or some sort of bullshit TikTok, who knows. But yeah, instead we're getting these yeah. really long periods of songs I mean not to mention that the prevailing theory seems to be that everyone's losing their um fucking attention span and you know you would think that That people just want to listen to the same song for 21 minutes yeah but apparently they do when it's this level of quality absolutely we'll get to that absolutely (laughs) so first song of the year Tom it's uh Sunflower Mm -hmm. Post Malone He's back. Post Malone and Sway Lee. Sway Lee. And this is for three weeks, Tom. Yep. Um, so Post Malone's back three weeks with more weak shit, I'm going to say, <laughs> straight off the top. Well, that is kind of his brand. Yeah, yeah it is uh, his brand. Pretty weak shit. And this is that. So. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of like... It's like um, piano ballads, but through like a trap filter. You know what I mean? Like mm. pretty boring, you know, Delta Goodrum style power battle not even yeah. there's no power there it's sort of real low energy it's usually just sort of like you know warbly lyrics and vocals yep. and some sort of like pretty weak instrumental it's it's background music effectively. yeah it's so, your Xanax rap type yeah thing. definitely look 
Tom, reports from the front line yeah. um, of the recent Red Hot Chili Pepper Australian tour, oh, yes. which took place um, earlier in 2023, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, Flea, Anthony yep. Kiedis, the other ones, um, <laughs> they came to Australia to tour, and the report from the front line was that they were underwhelming. You may have so- read oh, some I of these not, reports. There are know, a few news reports. I, mean, I might where have guessed that, but sure. So, you know, long-term fans <laughs> of the band have said that, that Red Hot Chili Peppers, they didn't give it their best. It wasn't the best <laughs> I'd seen. Some people even said, quote, I'll never see them ever again, end quote. <laughs> And I've been seeing them since the 90s. So people were very angry. Yep. They were upset that the set list wasn't great. The band wasn't great. Mm. And this is surprising that a group of 60-year-old men, uh, you know, who, depending on who you ask, are either 20 years past their prime mm. or some would say 30 years past their prime. Mm. Some might even argue for 35 at this point. But it's surprising that they could fail to deliver a set for the ages. I mean, <laughs> I do like that Anthony Kiedis... Um, I don't know if you saw any pictures. You didn't read the articles. But I look, anyway, I'll tell you this, Tom... I like that Anthony Kiedis has a self-awareness these days to not be shirtless at all times, as it can be a bit degrading for a man over 60. So he started wearing a hot pink mesh shirt, so the sheer look really works for him. Um, And he's not topless because he's more mature now, but you get to imagine what he would look like if he was topless, just in case you hadn't seen a picture of him for the last 40 years. I'm not so concerned about the mesh shirt. I'm just assuming that below that there was nothing except a sock. Yeah, oh, because I if think that so. didn't happen, I would feel that my two hundred and fifty dollar non-refundable Ticketmaster ticket yeah. would be not very well spent. You well, know? fortunately, I want to see really, I want to see knee-length sixty-five-year-old man balls. You are exactly. Low, Look, um, gym sock or well, I, not, yeah. my money's gone. I want to see a sixty-one-year-old dressed like a fourteen-year-old skater, <laughs> and I want to get a bit of top shaft. That's what I want. So at minimum, at minimum, top shaft. So I think anyway, you they were supported by Post Malone. That's why I bring this up. You might be saying, Tom, why are you you talking (laughs) endlessly about the Red Hot Chili Peppers? This is Post Malone and Swalee. The reason I bring up the Red Hot Chili Peppers' underwhelming Australian tour, you're right, Tom, Post Malone supported them, and apparently, Tom, he won won over a very large number of new fans. Mm. Now, for people to find his work engaging is a real testament (laughs) to how poor the Red Hot Chili Peppers must have been. I know. Uh, As I said, it's such low energy, I can't imagine people getting excited in any situation. I mean, the Uh, idea of him blowing any band off the stage... It seems he couldn't re- blow two leaves off a footpath no, no. with a petrol-powered leaf blower, I don't think. So the Red Hot Chili yet, Peppers must have been abysmal. You know, it's funny you say that, but I have seen people wearing Post Malone shirts oh, around. Yeah. Not, I, not a flood of them. No. I have saw more metal shirts since the uh, recent... Uh, not fest, uh-huh. but yep. but I did. I saw if I I remember because we were talking about it. I, I saw a few people wearing Post Malone shirts too, which I had not noticed before. But I have not seen a influx of new RHCP. Oh look, Tom! Or cocks on penises. No. Socks on penises. I just assume that in the Venn diagram, so that they were the Post Malone and Red Hot Chili Pepper fan yeah. were two circles that did not even touch, and now I've been led to believe that there's a crossover. Those yeah. circles are half and half crossover. It's a certain sort of white trash stoner kind of thing, and and the sort of new wave post new wave skate punk LA audience that the Chili Peppers that I mean they don't really exist anymore no they no. probably would be 
listening yep. to fucking Xanax rap now, so maybe there is a crossover. Yeah, look, not I went, musically, but maybe in the audience demographic, there is. Well, Tom, I, I wasted an entire day listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers catalogue from the year two thousand onwards, mm-hmm. um, and then Post Malone. And what I can say is, I actually can see the crossover in the audience. Oh, okay. Um, because both artists are incredibly fucking boring, <laughs> so there's almost no good work that the Red Hot Chili Peppers have done. Um, I'm going to say since 1991 yeah. um, and even that's a stretch but yeah and Post Malone terrible so that's probably that so look that's enough chilli peppers Tom sorry <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up but I just wanted to say that um, yeah, Post Malone has been blowing Red Hot Chilli Peppers fans out of the water mm-hmm. so that's good good to know that he's got a new fan base and yeah. he's attracting your audience but look this song itself Tom um, as you're aware it's from the film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that's it? what I was going to say yep. yeah this is our big movie song of the year yep because uh, that movie was huge that weird sort of uh, CGI cartoon reinterpretation of Spider-Man was weirdly massive I yeah mean, look I wasn't yeah. aware that there actually was an animated Spider-Man film I no, didn't actually know it's pretty good that. actually yeah. it's, pr- yep. it's probably better than the last few Spider-Man films yep. have been oh look I'm uh, glad they made it because I feel that Spider-Man story is one that needs to be told <laughs> and has been underrepresented in the world yeah. of cinema over the past it's few like decades Batman you know when will they tell us how we became a well, Batman. I don't, I don't even just, know. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, don't know, know about it's, Spider-Man. It's I don't know. It's one of the most fascinating parts about them is the enduring mystery of their origins. Yeah, right? but so I'm glad that they've, they've brought that story to life so that people can finally hear yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, this uh, was not written for the movie. So oh. uh, it's the main single from the soundtrack. So it couldn't... It's it's out of Oscar contention. Damn, for, really? But it's, yeah, so even, that, even the um, uh, that fucking happy from uh, Pharrell that we oh, had at number yeah. one before for Despicable 2 or something yeah believe it or not was written specifically for Despicable Me ah, 3 okay. but this was I think they just used it in the in the movie they probably remixed it for the film in they the, could have lied like uh, Stevie <laughs> Wonderstar was it or, well, or yeah true lied, just, just said oh no I made it up in 1984 while so, I was having a vision of this movie yeah. you know? but yeah they um they're sort of you got your Spider-Mans now have weirdly kind of fractured into they've, they've almost caught up with the comics where they've just fractured into the multiverse thing where the person there's no sort of set character of the person he can just be played by whoever you want at the time so okay. now we've, we've sort of got the kind of white dorky Spider-Man and, and, that, and you've got a younger hip black Spider-Man okay. who appears in several movies and is in the new video games yep. and he is in this one he's the main there's other Spider-Man versions on but he's the main guy that you start off the film with and he's he listens to hip hop which you know is accurate for his character mm. and his uncle's like you know was like an ex-rapper or whatever so having a bunch of hip hop on the soundtrack makes a lot of sense yep. and I think possibly that might be why I reckon personally this is better than the previous Post Malone entries we've covered I mean oh, the obvious sure. follow up statement would be that it's better to piss your bed than take two huge shits in it yeah, yeah. but yeah I thought by the standards of his last by the standards of Psycho and White Iverson and whatever that other fucking one was this, this is, isn't too this bad this is better than Psycho that probably I reckon maybe is because uh, A it's short yep B three quarters of the vocals are done by someone else who can sing a bit 
uh, Sway Lee, that is, and yep. the production is good enough to convince you that the vocal effects are deliberate artistic flourishes as opposed to a necessary disguise of the fact that neither singer can hold a note particularly well without a computer. Correct. But yeah, but even by that standard, Sway Lee, I mean, Post Malone can't sing or rap, so any improvement over that, <laughs> exactly. any modicum of talent. But yeah. yeah, he needs a featuring on every song he does. I think. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Sort of bring it out of the fucking garbage. Yeah, so. he should just do. He should do the Drake or fucking Timberland thing and just step back, put your name at the start of every song like a logo, and then have other people do the music, just do all the stuff. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What did um? So did Post Malone? Is this one he composed, or what's he? What's he had to say about this? Track? Um, he said uh, this song is so positive and uplifting that you can't be sad listening to it. Oh. Shout out to Sway, who is such a fucking god. One of the most talented people I have ever met. He is a genius! Oh, exclamation you mark. So, you know, there's a saying, Ben. Yeah. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. You know. <laughs> Similarly, you know, to the homeless dude, the guy with the fridge box is the landlord. Yep. To the croc wearer, a guy with a gold-plated toilet seat is the king sheet of style mountain, and to the dumbass, the loudest cockhead in the room is a genius. But Trump voters aside, having no discernment doesn't necessarily mean that a person is wrong. Occasionally a person sounds like a genius to both the wit and the fuckwit alike, you know. Maybe Sway Lee, a.k.a. Kid Crunk, a.k.a. Kid the Great, a.k.a. I Hipster Lee, a.k.a. Khalif Malik Ibn Shaman Brown, his actual name, is a musical genius. He co-wrote this song, which went 17 times platinum, which is more than a diamond and a half, fuck's sake not to mention co-writing Formation with Beyonce and collaborating with at least half a dozen number one artists we've already talked about like Ellie Goulding Wiz Khalifa Drake Bauer Nicki Minaj and Madonna uh, Post Malone discussing the song was as you said happy to credit him with the genius have credit him with the success calling him both a god and a genius mm. would you personally describe him as a genius Ben or more as an actual living deity sent to earth for the mere flutter of a butterfly's wing thus to rip trip light among the whirling evanescent leaves of morality and mortality and light their chaotic dance with the undying glow of godhood plus help Post Malone get a song on the Spider-Man soundtrack, you know? I wouldn't, but um, <laughs> that's, that's, I've not worked with him, Tom. That's true, that's true. Perhaps if I do work with Swaley in the future, I will be like, yes, Post Malone was onto something. Mm. Um Look, he's also one half of the hip-hop duo Ray Sremond. Ray Sremond. Sremond. I can't even say it. Um, With his brother. So him and his brother are in a hip-hop duo. Oh, okay. Um, They had a top ten hit back in 2016 uh, with their song Black Beatles. So him and the bro, they had a previous top ten hit a couple of years ago. I did not know Um, that. Hard to say who the Black Beatles are, but it's probably not these guys. I don't really know. Um, it's a new addition. Oh, it's fair, Black I Beatles think. spelt as in the band. The yeah, Beatles. Black Beatles. Ah. Yeah, that's how they've spelled it. So yeah. they can join our thirty-page long list of For people sure. who've been called the new Beatles. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm saying new addition is the Black Beatles. <laughs> you got Bobby Brown, remember? Bobby Brown. Yeah. Uh, the Bell Biv DeVoe. All mm-hmm. three of those guys. Johnny Gill. Um, I don't have to say anymore. I don't think. Also, so, the three amigos were the Beatles of hip hop. Yes, although yeah. then one of them died, so now there's only two amigos. Mm. Sad. Look, Swaley and his brother, either <laughs> or sorry, Swaley or his brother. Can't. I'm not sure which is which, because um, they look very similar. 
in the video clip for Black Beatles is rocking a Nelly-style Band-Aid on his face, which oh, is a pretty okay. sick look. Yeah. And the video clip, it's basically live footage of them playing guitar, even though the song features no guitar whatsoever. So yeah. I really like that. Uh, I think that's pretty good. So I want to hear more from, uh, I can't pronounce that, Ray Sremerud, but uh, I want to hear more from those guys. And hopefully they'll team up both the brothers and Post Malone. Because mm. one of the brothers and Post Malone have created this. Great track. Yes. From Spider-Man. <laughs> Imagine both do? brothers and Post Malone come together. Well, then they Who only knows? need a fourth person and then they could be the new Beatles. Yeah, not exactly. Just the black Beatles. Exactly. Who would that fourth person be, though? Oh, I don't know. Kid <laughs> Rock, I'm thinking. It's probably Kid Rock. Absolutely. What's, uh, has this got some Spider-Man-based... <laughs> lyrics or not I was going to ask you how you felt about the video but as far as I can recall the video was just mostly uh, stuff from it was, Spider-Man it was pretty much just a Maybe. Spider-Man yeah anim- it seemed to be animated Spider-Man animated bits yeah, from the film which yeah so that's what I took away from it so yeah you know, which is fine so it wasn't as much fun as Post Malone driving an armoured car around the desert for no <laughs> it wasn't. reason. It wasn't. Shooting a dog with a flamethrower. No, it wasn't, wasn't that good, but you know. Uh, all right, yeah, lyrics. Uh, every time I'm walking out, I can hear you telling me to turn around, fighting for my trust and you won't back down. Even if we got to risk it all right now, oh, I know you're scared of the unknown. You don't want to be alone. I know I always come and go, but it's out of my control. Mm. Well, it's not. You're just being a piece of shit. But he's hardly the Lone Ranger there. The entire male rock songbook was about that for 30 years, basically. I mean, in general, these lyrics, although they're fairly bland, are also reasonably cogent and listenable compared to his usual bullshit about diamond watches mumbled through a Xanax (laughs) haze. He's also singing more here than rapping, which might have something to do with it. Or maybe the truth lies with the other five people credited on the track, Sway Lee... Carl Rosen produces Carter Lang and Louis Bell, or Billy Walsh, who has written for Kanye West, The Weeknd, and Lil Wayne, but has also written for Post Malone. Uh-huh. Mm. So what do you think, Ben? Is Post Office Malone a better singer than rapper? Or is he more of an original rapper like Will Smith, who should stick to what he's good at, rapping about being a genie? Yeah, it's hard to know which of those skills he does excel at. Um, Don't tell one me over the other. Post Malone couldn't play, you know, the hilarious cartoon warthog in a new Disney adaptation. <laughs> I think he probably could. Um, look, I'm going to say he's a. Well, he doesn't really sing a lot because he uses the <laughs> auto tune, doesn't he? Yep. But then his rapping is pretty substandard as well. So. Um, I think he's probably just um, he's just an entertainer Tom across the board of all the different <laughs> a levels a bon vivant yes. he is yeah exactly jack of all trades exactly exactly but look I don't need to hear any more of his work um, no I certainly hope that any artists that I enjoy will not be coming out to Australia and have Post Malone supporting them so <laughs> I can't really see that happening but you never know perhaps sure. one day Perhaps one day it could. All right. Um, what do we got next? Post Malone, 51 million Spotify listeners. Oh, we fuck, know he's got a lot. Right. Swaley's got 25 mil. Fucking hell. That's a, that's a fair bit. And this is going to cost you $25 on Discogs for what? the cheapest 
copy of a CD single. What about the Red Hot Chili Peppers? How are they going? Oh, on Spotify. <laughs> well, I reckon their numbers have probably come down, Tom, because I assume that what Certainly happened since is that last concert. They, exactly. All those <laughs> taken uh, off a few. Playlists. I think I think all of those Red Hot Chili Pepper fans are now listening to Post Malone on Spotify. Yeah. Um. So buying the t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Throwing yeah. their old socks away that they used to put around their penises. Twenty-eight the million. Twenty-eight million but I reckon that's down I yeah probably, I, I reckon, reckon they used to have down. like 40 and also they've been around jumped. for well since the million, 80s yeah. <laughs> everyone's just jumped ship I think yeah. so definitely I've got to rewatch that uh, Josh Brolin skateboard movie where yeah. they appear in it we'll absolutely see how it holds up <laughs> I'm sure it's very good um, <laughs> alright next uh, up next yes. Uh, we've got Ariana Grande. She's back, Tom. She is. With uh, Seven Rings. Mm. Would have been good if it was five seven weeks. weeks but it it's would have been. Five weeks. It's, yeah, exactly right. Exactly. So, why is this song called Seven Rings, Ben? Um, look, Tom, I assume Seven Rings is the number of rings she has in her drawer from failed engagements. <laughs> is that is that your takeaway, I gather? Uh, no. Probably. So, no. look, I don't know. I don't know. All I, or what I can remember is that the biggest story to come out at the time of this song hitting number mm-hmm. one sure. on the Aria charts was that Ariana decided to get um, a Seven Rings tattoo. Oh, using okay. uh, Japanese kanji characters for, for no apparent reason. This song yeah. isn't anything to do with Japan mm-hmm. or, but she thought I'll get seven rings but rather than just getting seven rings tattooed I'll get it in, in, the, in the Japanese kanji characters so mm. unfortunately she got the kanji character for seven yeah, and then she got the kanji character for ring yeah. next to each other now Japanese isn't that simple Tom that's not exactly the way it works <laughs> so when you put those next to each other it doesn't make seven rings but combined it uh, actually makes she chillion which translates to small charcoal fired barbecue grill <laughs> so it's not the same thing Tom it's not the same thing at all so Ariana got that tattoo sounds delicious though don't yeah for sure now if Ariana was to write a song called Small Charcoal Fired Barbecue Grill and get that to number one, then the tattoo would be fine. Yeah. That, that would be quite the feat to sort of write a song <laughs> and get it to number one just to retroactively make her tattoo not totally fucking stupid, mm. Tom. So anyway, a Japanese speaker pointed this out on Twitter, <laughs> said to Ariana, it makes no sense, and advised her if she added the character for finger after the two characters she already had, then that would modify the meaning from small barbecue grill to seven rings. Uh, so all okay. that was not lost. Yeah. So, um, she didn't have, unfortunately for Ariana, she didn't get that character added next to the other two. She got it put under the other two. <laughs> so now, her tattoo reads, small charcoal fired barbecue grill finger. <laughs> now she has to write a song called, small charcoal grill fired barbecue finger and get that to the top of the charts. <laughs> So a tattoo ret- retrospectively makes sense. She's going to need Max Martin to help on that one, I think, to get at the top of the charts. So I'm not even sure he has a skill set to write a song about grilling mm. and eating human fingers and getting that to the top yeah. of the charts. It'd be quite a departure from regular pop song themes, you know. The Veronicas are not afraid to write a song about fingering themselves, but mm. even they wouldn't write a song about eating fingers yeah. straight off a grilled barbecue, I and would assume. When, and I don't think Grande doesn't have the sort of entrepreneurial nous of your Rihanna, or she would immediately have rushed to put out a range of... Uh, 
charcoal barbecue ready to eat figures. <laughs> no, that's correct. <laughs> you know, with her face on them, and yep. she could have made heaps in the Asian market, where I assume she does quite well because yep. she looks somewhat like a fuckable 13 year old she <laughs> should do very well does in Japan. fairly well in Japanese yep. um, you're right Snoop Dogg would have had that grill on the market oh, fucking immediately and right. then a range of like you know like he would have done the grill, grill first fingers. then the tattoo yeah, exactly for sure I know yeah. although I still think that tattoo is less fucking stupid than Ed Sheeran getting a fake typo oh. tattoo for a, <laughs> yeah. for a fictional pub tattooed on himself and then claiming and then making up a story about how oh she told me that and then I got it done and then went actually yeah. I made up the story about it that's, it's it's ridiculous yeah, yeah that's that's actually well, way stupid the than actual that. the actual reason for the the rings yep. is that uh, basically Ariana Grande got seven rings made to commemorate her friendship with her six best mates oh, so great. they all get to have a ring um on December the 1st, Ariana revealed the owners of the rings. Oh. Uh, herself, Victoria Monet, Courtney Cipollone, Alexa Luria, Taylor Parks, Nomza, and Cadence Krizyuk, all of whom have a writing credit on this song. Wow. Except for Courtney and Alexa. Seven women with one and a half real names between them, united by friendship, symbolised by rings... Which reminds me of another story, Ben. An ancient tale <laughs> about a group of people who were given rings by a powerful individual, yeah. believing that the rings would confer power onto them, too. Instead, the rings corrupted them irreversibly and were used by the owner of the original ring, or the one ring, if you mm-hmm. will, first to corrupt them, then to control them, then to destroy them, and ultimately threaten the world itself. Obviously, I'm talking about Barbershop 2, Colden, back in business, and its themes <laughs> remain as relevant today as they ever were. In short, I'm asking, why does Ariana Grande want to destroy the world, Ben, and all of her friends, and should I be investing in an underground bunker full of Alex Jones supplements at this point? <laughs> Look, it's a really good question. Um, a, who the fuck are any of those people that you get the <laughs> ring to? I mean, I was, I was thinking it was going to be, you know, like a couple of members of the Pussycat Dolls or some shit like that, but it was just a bunch of random people. Um, is she trying to destroy the world with shitty music? I think she is, Tom. She certainly is. I'd definitely be building that bunker um, and make sure you've got the shelves stacked with those Alan mm. Jones supplements because um, they might be out of production soon once he realises that he'll have to, <laughs> I don't know, go to prison or something after he can't pay the hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. the court have ordered him to pay for suggesting <laughs> that Sandy Hook was a hoax. But, you know... Four, look, ten years. Yeah, exactly. So, what look, makes that story even weirder, just as a side note, is that mm. not many people outside the recording industry know this, Ben, but Ariana Grande is actually a brat stall that was brought to life by a sorcerer who worked <laughs> really? part-time at Starbucks. That explains why she never ages, only has one haircut, and when left to her own devices, her limbs naturally reset to her original pose from the toy box, which was lying face down on a bed, kicking her legs in the air, which she pointed out last week, which she's doing at timestamp zero colon zero eight seconds into this video and then again at 35 seconds into the same video. Yeah, but but Tom, I, I think you're being a little bit unfair there. Um... I did mention that she likes to kick her legs up and down while lying in a bed in music videos. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. And But look, I, she, I don't... 
she doesn't actually do that in this video, Tom. She kicks her legs up and down while lying on a kitchen bench, which shows artistic oh, growth. Oh, yes, that's right. So uh, <laughs> Is she on a bed earlier? I can't recall, but there's a bit where she's doing the leg kick up mm. while on a kitchen bench. It's, it's a totally different thing, That's Tom. right. So she's it's come a long way. Artistic baby. growth, correct, yeah. Um, look, this is a friendship anthem, as you've said. Yeah. Um, that's one way of putting it. It's also a fucking cover of my favourite things from The Sound of Music yes. blended with a generic pop trap beat and grande rapping, mm. which is as bad as it sounds. Now, yeah, even calling it rapping you... is... Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's I'm using the term. Post Malone to Yeah, rain. for sure. I mean, can you buy hits? And by that I mean... Yeah, this, good question. This is, good this question. is... The only reason this is a hit is because she's taken that Sound of Music bullshit going these are a few mm-hmm. of my favourite things blah 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 and then just put and then has that part which everyone knows and goes oh yeah great it's something that I know from the past yay yeah. how good am I for remembering things and then the other bits are just like the blandest music known to man yeah. but then it comes back to the chorus and people sing that so she's effectively just generated a hit out of taking an, a pre-existing exactly. song it's a cover effectively yeah this is credited to Ariana Grande Richard Rogers. TB Hits, Nomza, Mikey Foster, Cadence, Talia Parks, Scooty, Oscar Hammerstein II, and Victoria Monet. Mm. Uh, in a development that nobody could have predicted, they ended up paying 90% of the songwriting royalties to the estate <laughs> of Rogers and Hammerstein for nicking the tune of Julie Andrews' famous My Favourite Things from The Sound of Music. So she was only left over with enough money to cover the tattoo by the sounds That's of the song. Right. Uh, yeah, and the song also interpolates the notorious B.I.G.'s Gimme the Loot in the bridge. Oh, cool. Then the song drew further controversy for its similarities to songs by Princess Nokia, Soldier Boy's Tell'em, and 2 Chain. <laughs> leading to Grande recruiting 2 Chains for the remix as a sort of payoff. Uh, and then Cadence, one of the seven ring holders, publicly complained that she wasn't credited on enough of the songs on this album, including oh, this damn. one, where other ring holders had received credit for songs they hadn't contributed to, according to her, drawing other ring-owning fake name-havers like Monet and Sparks into the disagreement. And meanwhile, in a shadow-haunted cavern atop a distant mountain, lit from below by the infernal glow of bubbling lava, Grande looked down at the one ring adorning her doll-sized handband and laughed, laughed and laughed and laughed while kicking her tiny little feet in the air. <laughs> you know, you'd think people would have learned from Barbershop 2, colon, yeah. back in business, but they didn't. They or did Captain not. Planet, Tom. Those <laughs> rings can sort of, you know, That's they, can, right. they can. Look what happened can to use them Planet. For good or for evil, One day really. he just turned into Tom Cruise. And, yeah. You know, that was the end of the story. Wow, Tom, what a wicked web she weaves. <laughs> She's just ripped off a, a popular song from a popular film that everyone knows, mm. had to pay all the songwriting credits to that estate. Yeah. And then the other ring holders are getting into a fight for the remaining residual 10%. It's I mean, truly, like, it goes to what you're saying, jokes aside, that, that is the answer to the question. A, can you buy a hit? Basically, you can, yep. yes, but then you may end up paying off. Yeah. <laughs> the, the profits get paid, passed back up the chain, Amway style, to the people that you bought the fucking hit off. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's. If you're the, gonna buy a hit off someone, kill them and dump them in under a bridge, basically. Yeah, being it? being a one hit wonder where your one hit is a cover, it's a slippery slope, isn't it, Tom? Because mm. you, you're a one hit wonder, which is never good. You've yeah. got a hit, but all the money you've generated off that hit has gone to another songwriter, yeah. in effect. So. 
um, pour one out for Alien Ant Farm, I guess. But certainly Ariana Grande. She doesn't have to worry about that because she's got plenty of other hits yeah. in the bank. Yep. Plenty of other hits there. So look, um, what about the lyrics to this, Tom? It's all about her favourite things, I assume, or some bullshit. Yeah. I mean, this is not rapping delivery of the vocals, but it's influenced enough by rap that she wastes most of her actual vocal talent by sort of talk singing through a computer over the top of other people's music. Uh, and as I said, it's credited to like 10 people. But yeah, lyrically, I mean, look, the just to jump back for a second, the video for this looks like a kid's toy aisle viewed through the eyes of an adult pervert. E.g. is a sort of <laughs> lust-hazed pink glitter nightmare where, in grand American fashion, everything is promised but nothing ever actually arrives. Sometimes that's a good thing, I guess, when you're dealing with the sort of brutally unsubtle sexualization of adolescence combined with a nauseating supplication at the altar of capitalism. In the lyrics of this, the chorus of this, for instance, is a repetition of the phrase, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it, yep. which is like a Kmart slogan except less subtle. She directly states that paying her respect is the act of giving her money. Like, yeah. that's, that's literally what she says in the song. Been through some bad shit, I should be a sad bitch. Who would have thought it had turned me to a savage? Rather be tied up with calls and not strings. Write my own checks like I write what I sing, yeah. Right. Uh, the fact that she doesn't seem to have written any of this song, <laughs> hasn't been through any bad shit, has never written a check in her life, and is about as savage as a moist towelette from KFC, makes yeah. me wonder if I can even trust her about how rich she has been. Can I trust mm. anything these rappers say, these rappers that they have now been? Oh, these rap singers, Tong, I think, you know, there's a lot of bravado, there's a lot of, you're right, mm. fakeness, talking about how things are, and look, I think you can't trust rappers such as Ariana. Does she is one alone the... even own a diamond watch? Oh, like, who I am don't I? know. Does he even that days that tank he was driving around in was that even his? I'm <laughs> not sure. Tank? So is he really in the army? I yeah, just don't, I don't know. know. You can't trust the rappers these days, and you certainly, I think Ariana, you're right. I can't trust a word she fucking says. No. Man. At all. At all. And I'm never taking any rings off it. No, definitely not. Definitely. So, you got anything else to say about this? No, please. Let's move um, on. She's got 79 million listeners. That's a lot. Fuck this me. This is the cheapest, cheapest copy of this. $66, Tom. That might be the most listeners for a woman oh, we're getting close. Had, getting very, yeah, yeah. Rihanna, Rihanna might be pushing oh, that. But very, yeah. well, I don't know. Who knows? But very Sorry. close. Very, very close. Yep. Um, so, cool. Up next for uh, two weeks, yep. it's um, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper Shallop. Yes. Now. First of our two returning contenders. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this last week. Um, obviously, the Academy Award wins... Yep. In February, February. Yep. would have, I guess, got people to go, What's oh, what's that? Yes. And then listen to this again, and that was yep. enough to they get also it back up. They also performed the song at the awards mm. in a sort of fair to middling level of horniness on stage by the two actors <laughs> yeah. who did, you know, to their credit, actually perform the song in the, the movie as well. So, yep. in real life, I mean, so. Yeah, you know, that probably got a lot of people to... Got a lot of people interested in this if they miss it the first time. Um, You got anything else to add? 
Uh, not really. Uh, originally, according to co-writer Mark Ronson uh, and producer, this was originally just meant to be like an ally song, e.g. for the Lady Gaga character to sing. Yeah. Which makes some sense because she wrote all the lyrics. But yeah, I didn't really have anything to say other than just for one last pointless time, this could be called Shallows, Not Shallow which coincidentally would avoid the song being named after an insult, often directed at exactly this type of music and artist. Plus, doesn't make sense grammatically in the song. I wrote several letters to the record company about this, but after I started including blood vials, they referred me to the FBI. And now I can't leave the state without written permission. Thanks a lot, Obama. Yeah, exactly. He's ruined everything. Um, yeah, look, I don't have anything more to say about that. I think we sort of covered no, it last week. Let's so move on. Up next is the Jonas Brothers mm. with Sucker Tom for, is that three weeks? Three weeks. Three yeah. weeks. There you go. Now, Tom, I know you've been a big fan of the Jonas Brothers since they covered <laughs> Yo Ho, a pirate's life for me from Pirates of the, Pirates of the Caribbean, sorry, uh, for the Disney Mania 4 album in 2006. Mm. So I know you've been on the Jonas Brothers bandwagon for some time. I have. Surprisingly, this is their first number one, though. Yeah, yes. No, I mean, I was under the mistaken impression that it's just in as much as I was aware of the Jonas Brothers at all, which was a sort of hazy background Disney Yep. tween uh, pin-up poster mm. v- a version of Hanson that they'd broken up and it turns out that they had broken up or they'd, you know, taken a hiatus or whatever. Yep. And this is their first track after being away for six years. Yep. Um, after the Brothers Jonas, or BJs as they call them, <laughs> called it quits in 2013. Uh, as happened with the Backstreet Boys after they reformed, however, uh-huh. this new single became their biggest hit to date. Yeah, weirdly, yeah. Because people were just, I guess, happy to see what they'd been up to uh, in the garage all that time. And got to number one in Australia, Canada, Latvia, Mexico, New Zealand, Singapore, Slovakia, and the US Billboard charts. So, yeah, as you say, they just... Go away, come back with your big hit, you know. I'm suggesting some other acts should maybe try that, you know, <laughs> try that big technique. Should disappear for a yes. half a decade or more <laughs> and then make a comeback. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The public was starved of Jonas Brothers content for mm, a good five years. Clearly. So as soon as this came out, they went out and bought or streamed the track en masse, got it to the top of the charts, um, their biggest song now. Tom, which one of the Jonas Brothers are you a sucker for? <laughs> um, I know most people go for Nick Jonas, but I'm more of a Joe Jonas person myself. <laughs> I mean, Nick featured on We Are The World 25 for Haiti, so fuck that. Oh That's a God. strike yeah. against his name to begin with. I mean, look, I'm all for raising money for Haiti, but look, just write a new fucking song. We don't need to hear We Are The World again for the millionth time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Tom, Nick Jonas has admitted that one talent he doesn't have is whistling. Another cross against oh, okay. him for me. <laughs> so that's why when the Jonas Brothers perform this song live, which has a lot of whistling in it, it's Joe who handles the whistling oh. duties. Another reason why he's my favourite. And as they say, Matt Tom, a man who knows how to whistle is a man who knows how to suck a dick. So, <laughs> um, But alas, he isn't gay, I don't believe. He's married to Sophie Turner, who you might know. Mm. as Sansa Stark on Game of Thrones yes yes so she's a Jonas sister now I think <laughs> I think that's how it goes so, yes yeah. uh, well yeah sorry, yeah Tom I'm sorry gonna... yeah. oh you, you go I was just going to say that um, you mentioned their breakup 
mm-hmm. back in 2013. I sure did, yes. They've come back here. Now, apparently they split in 2013 due to, quote, a deep rift within the band over creative differences, oh, end quote. Good old creative now, differences. Now, that raises a big question for me, Tom. What creative differences could a group <laughs> devoid of any creativity have? How does one have creative differences when there's nothing within this band that I would consider to be creative at all? Well, creative differences used to just be the old, you know, lazy journalism speak for they all fucking they hate don't like each, each other. other anymore. Yeah. yeah, can't stand to spend any studio time. But these days, when you don't need to spend any studio time, you can just hire, you know, a stripper, three guys from Latvia, and two guys who had, um, you know, SoundCloud raps just hit number one that week yep. to just write the whole song for you and then chuck in some shit from the sound of music I, I don't really see you know how much studio time would even be necessary although I guess you could say that by comparison to all the shit we've had uh, in the last decade or so this is kind of a song oh yeah you know, it is are, it, is, are, it is an actual song they You're seem right. to be in a credit band. where credit's due they've written they're, this is a yeah. song that seems to be There's something that's singing and playing music yeah. so maybe they did maybe they you know maybe they just got sick of their fucking boy band dorky status and then you know this is actually one of the better ones of the year which is <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know it's I not know. It's, I still I'm not saying it's great for, but one of the yeah, better better ones disposable pop song I kind of like yeah 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 it's, it's heavily influenced by Justin Timberlake yeah. I thought but that's better than being heavily influenced by Bratz Dolls Blood Diamonds and Rogers and fucking Hammerstein oh look so, yeah. no doubt look I think the creative differences I mean I'm not sure but I gathered it was probably something like you know Nick Jonas saying um, you know we got to do I want to do a song for the Croods and then Joe being like no way it's Monsters University soundtrack or nothing and then the other one like well I'm going to work on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 or something so you know fighting about what soundtrack they need to be attached to and I think that was just like well we're done we, we can't possibly write a song for all three of these films creative differences see you later and then six years later they went let's get back together and look they put their creative differences aside to get back together Tom and I don't know do you think (laughs) that the reunion could have possibly been sparked by the fact that the solo careers of each Jonas brother went absolutely (laughs) fucking nowhere no that could be maybe that was that that's a coincidence Ben (laughs) because it seems to be sort of every boy band that it's like we're all going solo and then six years later it's like oh fucking hell none of them have worked out and then they try and get Robbie Williams Williams back into the fold and he's like dude I'm doing way fucking better without you guys no I don't need to join back into fucking take that. take that and all the other four dudes from take that are like we desperately oh, need please. this please so. we've got mortgages exactly jack us a point yep um, look uh, the music video was directed by Anthony Mandler and won best pop video at the MTV Music Awards mm. uh, 2019 it features the three partners of each BJ uh, Holly, Bollywood megastar and Miss World Priyanka Chopra Jonas uh, Emmy winner and as you said Game of Thrones queen Sophie Turner and former hairdresser Danielle Jonas uh, that's a cheap joke and really credit to her I would say out of the six of them she's done the best out of this deal yeah uh, <laughs> no doubt um, it was, uh, the video was filmed in Hertfordshire at Hatfield House the home of the Marquess of Salisbury where Queen Elizabeth I grew up ah. Have you seen, it looks fucking fun to be honest that's this enormous mansion like a legit huge big mansion 
Uh, it's, it looks a bit. The video looks a bit like that pink uh, Alice in Wonderland song. Oh yeah. You know, just a lot of Bridgerton style dress ups and fucking around in a huge mansion. But, yeah. Look, but with less um sort of uh, Alice in Wonderland vibes. Yeah, and and sort of and uh, guys wearing Monster Energy drink <laughs> motorbike <laughs> yeah. tops, telling yeah. you that you're doing too much um, elastic bungee work in the lounge room. But yeah. yeah. I mean, so those those really massive. I mean, that's what what they used to call a house back in Britain. Like you look at um, oh, what's house. that fucking you know Downton Abbey. You look yeah. at you look at that from the outside. You go, fuck, that's massive. But some of these, some of the ones where the fucking royals lived, they're just insane. Yeah. I mean, it's not the only reason that you don't call them a castle is because a castle implies. Uh, like turrets military fortifications and a moat and stuff this is just these were just the shit they built when they ran the world so comprehensively that they didn't need to have moats anymore correct <laughs> so they just built the, yeah anyway uh, yeah as I said I didn't hate this like if you fancy a stripped back sort of JT style dance pop hit with falsetto vocal and real instruments this might be up your cranny you know yeah absolutely look this this is definitely um, probably the best song of theirs that I've heard the other ones are generally trash yeah. and if you're wondering why their past music was so terrible Tom here's the answers uh, the brothers are evangelical Christians who were homeschooled oh, uh, they abstained from sex and wore purity rings as a symbol <laughs> of their belief that sex should not occur until marriage now homeschooled Christian virgins have never produced anything of quality <laughs> Prove me wrong, Tom. Um, as Prince probably once said, if you haven't fingered a vagina, then you'll never be able to get the fingering right on a clarinet and will never write a good song. That's so true. I believe that's on his gravestone. I'm not 100% that's certain. That's why Hanson were all fuck machines. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> that's right. That's set them apart from the Jonas Brothers. Now, I've got one thing to say, Tom. Sure. Watch out, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Watch out, Colonel Sanders. Why is that? The Jonas Brothers are fucking coming at you. Oh, shit. They teamed up to open a restaurant called Nellie's Southern Kitchen in North Carolina in early 2016, Mm. which I think is trying to serve up some southern fried chicken Mm. and southern fried hospitality, Tom. Just as a sidebar, Ben, what skin colour would you call the Jonas Brothers? Um, I don't know. Are they they white? (laughs) Yes, sorry, <laughs> please. I interrupted you again. That's fine. So, what are the three uh, white Christians uh, Southern Kitchen Chicken um, franchise? Um, it's also a live music venue, but oh, I think, uh, but but I reckon they're gunning for that Colonel territory. I think they've said, let's open up a Southern Fried Chicken outlet. Um, and we're gonna fucking take over that mm. dude's sort of shit. So yeah, no, that's what I'm I saying. Watch out, watch out, Colonel Sanders. I think you're right. I mean, who knows? In five years' time, we all might be eating like Jonas chicken or something. JFC. It so, could be. I mean, it might be time for the Colonel to step aside. It might be absolutely. Let's let some some new blood in. So for three sure, three Christian virgins. Yep. step up. <laughs> um, uh, Portugal, the man. If you've oh, heard yeah. of them, they accused the Jonas Brothers. Uh, this song of copying their 2017 single uh, Feel It Still they tweeted to be fair the chorus of Feel It Still sounds very similar to Please Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes which we respectfully cleared and thanked them for every chance we got as one does Mm, that's Mm. some quality passive aggression there 
Um, it does point something something that we haven't mentioned before, though. Um, when someone copies something you've done, you know, a large part of the pain isn't from lost revenue or jealousy. It's from the insult to your pride, you know. I bet you a lot of these lawsuits that we've talked about in the past could have been stopped at the outset with a phone call you oh, know, no, or no. a line of note or saying, hey, shouts out to the Teletubbies for the chorus of my new single, Love Ed Sheeran, or something. Yep, absolutely. By, yeah, <laughs> by offsetting the wounded pride. But, yeah. Portugal, the man said it was cool later on, which was lucky for the Jonases because they sound pretty fucking similar, these songs. In fact, a lot closer than plenty of the shit we've yeah. done in the past. Anyway. Did they end up getting a songwriting credit on this, or they just um, they just went, oh, no. thank you, Joe. Oh. No, they don't. No, but I, like, you got to sue. you got to sue and get get some get like a 20% cut or so that's that's yeah. the ticket if they sound very similar go ahead well, as we've seen people just do it when they sound exactly. nothing alike in the old days you would have been pushing it but now that we've got the word interpolation oh yeah, yeah absolutely basically uh, yeah no I mean that's kind of what he's saying you know he's just not saying you don't have to give us songwriting credit but you could at least you know thank us thank us correct yeah. correct uh, lyrics do you got anything else no I don't Lyrics to this. Tell uh, me about it. This is credited to Homer Steinweiss, Mustafa, producers Ryan Tedder and Ging, Nick Jonas, Joe Jonas, Kevin Jonas, and our old mate Louis, Louis Bell, oh, who yeah. rose to fame after writing Post Malone's Rockstar in much <laughs> the same way that even if you hit the full flush button twice, a turd will still sometimes rise to fame <laughs> in the toilet bowl of a filthy public lavatory. Uh, but yeah, if we employ my patented thematically interpretive three-way artistic nominative classification system, or titwanks, uh, this song falls into category one, aka <laughs> I Want to Bone You. Yeah. Um, I'm a sucker for you, yeah, say the word and I'll go anywhere blindly. I'm a sucker for you, yeah, any road you take, you know that you'll find me. I'm a sucker for all the subliminal things. Uh, he doesn't yeah. go on to note that Americans lost more than $8.8 billion to scams in 2022 alone, Ooh. an increase of 30% from the previous year. But it's fairly safe to assume from these lyrics that the Jonas Brothers were heavily leveraged in the Bored Ape Yacht Club, uh, <laughs> thought Theranos was going to revolutionise the world of blood testing, and are happy that you can finally be funny on Twitter again. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm guessing yeah. that's what they're saying. Oh, know. look, I assume so. That's what I always took away from the song. So, um, look, the Jonas Brothers, I don't know. This is um, this is probably about as good as we're going to get from these guys. Isn't I it? would have thought so. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by how good it was, by what little I knew of them in the past, and by the words, you know, <laughs> abstinence ring, Christian oh, yeah. brother. Yeah, if you were if you're wearing a purity <laughs> ring at any time in your life, then you know you, you're not going to be very good. But anything that you do in a creative sort of context, I, I have would thought not so. have thought so. Anyway, look, um, twenty mil. 20 mil on Spotify yeah. and you can pick this up for $10 so one of the cheaper purchases I think so <laughs> that makes well worth the sense. 10 bucks I think if you've got any Jonas Brothers fans in your life uh, and need a birthday present for them at some stage alright up next Tom it is Billie Eilish with Bad Guy yeah, only two weeks but it was it did have a lot of uh, impact I felt like Absolute, people were oh, talking sure. about this a lot the That's hottest like, star the hottest young star I think yes of, teenager um, 2019 yep. scores her first number one with Bad Guy mm-hmm. um, this was her 19th single 
which is pretty nuts wow. when you consider the fact that she was only about 16 or 17, I think, when this came out. No, um, Yeah, yeah. She, there's a, she'd released a fuckload of other songs before so, this. So I think she'd done... This was off her debut album. Yeah. Uh, I think she did that thing where she dropped a heap of singles and oh, EPs and yeah, a bit of that online action. Online and stuff. Yeah, yeah. prior to, to releasing the album. So Billy writes and records music with her brother... Um, yes. So this is a family band, basically. Billie Eilish is the American Shepherd, yeah. um, who you may recall from Saint Geronimo <laughs> at some time God, in the past. So absolutely. Look, here's a question, Tom. Mm-hmm. When is someone who's talked about as the future of pop music actually going to do something interesting? <laughs> um, I don't hate this, yeah. but this it's far from exceptional. And every other Billie Eilish song I've heard is some of the blandest shit going. It's sort of like wall-to-wall piano ballads and other folky garbage. So I feel like mm. she's like, the future of pop music. Ah, she's a young, great performer who's really pushing music forward. And then I listen to it and go, same old shit. I mean, I've got to admit, I've only heard about three or four songs of hers. I, I haven't listened to a whole album. But to me, they seem to have a sort of stripped-back quality, which I would argue is distinct from the sort of manufactured mm. stripped back quality of Post Malone yep. that you know the sort of production line you know it's and more of a sort of classical sort of not classical music but sort of more of a sort of uh, tried and tested formula with her voice probably being a unique instrument yeah doing something there but yeah and I mean, they are quite minimal. Like her James Bond song, uh, theme song, that was quite a minimal mm. one. I mean, you could say, okay, I mean, a lot of that minimalism, minimalism probably comes from the fact that she doesn't have, you know, she can't do huge, you know, Rihanna-style arena choruses or whatever. But I don't know. I think, I do feel like they're doing something different or at least something that they think is different being, you know very young and still you know and ex- being a bit experimental even if it doesn't always work as opposed to someone like Post Malone and you know fucking you know Justin Bieber where their their experimentalism is filtered through these gigantic production edifices mm. who kind of turn everything into whatever's currently fashionable yep. you know whether it's sort of if it happens to be minimalism at the time then they'll make it sound like it's sort of trap or whatever or if it or like stripped back mumble rap whereas with these guys I more get the impression that this is just what you know because that other guy because they are putting things together with their own machines and that sort of thing that it just happens to be what they like but, you know, that might be just my jumping to conclusions here. Oh, look, um, maybe nobody wants anything new out of pop music. <laughs> maybe they just want a new young performer. <laughs> maybe. Someone who's got a bit new, of a different vibe. She's yeah. got a bit of a different vibe, but the actual material is, is pretty similar to what's always been done. Yeah. But then again, when someone does try and do something new, i.e. Post Malone, it's garbage as well so this is all (laughs) so maybe maybe I should pay a bit more respect to Billie Eilish who's doing something that probably has a bit more of a timeless quality and I mean that in the context of some these songs could have come out in 1992 or 2003 or now and you know not this song particularly but some of the other stuff I've heard and it's sort of probably if you write a good pop song maybe that's all you need but um yeah, yeah I'm certainly I do hear a lot of these like 
future of pop music or great new this or great new that and then when you actually hear the songs it's like well no, I don't know I remember playing I remember Nirvana coming on the radio when we were when after Nevermind had just come out and my dad and, and my dad saying oh is this that band that everyone's talking about What? and I said yeah this is Nirvana and so I turned it up I think it was In Bloom which mm. is a great song and and he was like oh yeah and you know, and he used to like Led Zeppelin and that sort of thing, but I could sort. I felt like I could sort of hear him thinking, you know, oh, I mean, this is good, but it doesn't sound. It's not like some weird new kind of music that it's anyone's mi- just invented. Yeah. It's just kind of. It's not a million miles away from. <laughs> it's just sort of punk metal, really. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, or, I, th- I think that that was it, though, wasn't it? Somehow. Um, the grunge became the main big stream thing, but yeah, but musically it wasn't people, too different. People from... were talking about it as though they reinvented, you know, the wheel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounded a bit different from Poison, but not if you played it to my mum. In which case, it would just sound like two <laughs> young men who were going to do themselves some serious damage if they kept yelling like that. Exactly. Know? Look, Billie Eilish was also homeschooled, <laughs> so maybe there's some correlation. <laughs> I was joke about that. But between homeschooling and writing a hit perhaps there's that maybe there is some Ooh, sort of thing how does she feel about sexual abstinence oh, I'm not sure about that but um, <laughs> I guess having no friends allows you time to work on the music perhaps that's so true maybe that sort of homeschooling type thing so yeah I'm not sure not sure about whether she had the purity ring um, whether she dicked anyone I don't know that I just assume she lived in a share house because she looks like she's been letting people dye her hair when she's pissed Yep. Uh, but you know I guess that's kind of the look absolutely now this is one of the singles from the album um, When We Fall Asleep Where Do We Go oh okay um, sounds like a smart album title if you're a fucking moron doesn't it I think sort of you know it's, yes. it's very thought provoking <laughs> When We Fall Asleep Where Do We Go <laughs> well, well we don't go anywhere in a physical state but in an emotional state or in a mental state you can go wherever you want, Tom. It's called dreaming, and you can mm. do whatever you please. So mm. it's a very deep, deep <laughs> album, but it's it also bit, means nothing. It's so. a bit like that song, uh, that album "Be Not Nobody," written by that chick who wrote um, uh, that one about walking home. Mm. <laughs> the piano <laughs> song. Uh, if I could fall into the sky, uh, what's yeah. her face? Yeah, and. It's just like, you just have to go, well, look, just some things sound profound when you're 19, you know. Yeah. Occasionally they turn, if you if you if you have real talent, then some of them will turn out to stand up. But, you know, at the other end, you are still 19, ultimately, you know. And yeah, yeah. where do we go when we fall asleep? <laughs> oh, exactly right. Thing. But yeah, like, like I would say, I, th- I feel like her lyrics are a cut above the usual sort of stuff. Or at least it feels Vanessa like... Vanessa Carlton or, Van- uh, or, or this. <laughs> oh, both. Both, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> they, yeah. Don't, they feel like they have a, a voice of, of, of some sort, whether yep. it's... Uh, it's At least it sort of doesn't sound like it was written by a committee of 12 people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the song... I think the songwriting... Um, I'm not sure whether it's just her and her brother or whether there's other people involved, but certainly, um, yeah, it sounds like that they're... Yeah, she doesn't have, like, 27 people as writing credits on every single song, so... Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. What else you got to say about this, Tom? Um, well, if you uh, forgive me, I'm going to talk about traffic lights for about. 20 oh yeah, minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this song contains uh, a sample from Australian traffic lights, uh, which is the walk signal. Uh, 
I should have actually brought that up to so I can play it. Let me just give. What you do you mean? A second. What do you mean by that? They've sampled. <laughs> They've sampled the Australian the walk signal used in Australian traffic lights. Okay. Um, okay, hang on. You mean you're saying at the traffic light it changes yep. you press the you button to walk. and it 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 provides a um, it provides a audio sound of um, a cue as to when oh, Jesus fucking Christ it's not this this is an ad for sun green long green <laughs> rice uh, hang on sounds like this while you're waiting to cross and then it does that to so turn it into cross that and turn it into a song they have sampled that to turn it into a song yes and um, here I was saying that she wasn't <laughs> pushing the boundaries Tom clearly I was wrong uh, yeah that, that all that stuff is basically made by pieces of metal inside that case yep. uh, an ingenious built in microphone allows the button to detect the background noise surrounding the crossing and then produce a beat based on how loud it is which means that pedestrians can always hear it over the traffic but it's not so loud that it disturbs neighbours at 3am cool. uh, the PB slash 5 as it's officially known has been seen on the streets of Australia since 1984 and has been picked up by other countries such as Singapore Island and the US fantastic um, yeah the button has been so widely acclaimed because it also works for vision and hearing impaired pedestrians with the use of a vibrating touch panel on the front of the case uh, the sound inside is made by a two rhythm buzzer and the button is cleverly detached from the mechanism inside it just floats there so it just detects it through electromagnetism which means that you can hit it with a sledgehammer and it will still work the button is the work of industrial designer David Wood acoustical engineer Louis Chalice who worked on Parliament House and the Sydney Olympic Stadium and engineer Frank Holscher uh, in case you're not from Australia or Ireland and you're thinking how funky could a walk button sound well, Billie Eilish wasn't the first artist to sample the PB oh, slash really? five. Yeah. In 1993, Orbital used it in the track Walk Now. In 1996, the Propeller Heads used it in the track Lethal Cut. And in 1999, Basement Jacks used it in the Jacks Club mix of Red Alert. Uh, all of those songs also included my favourite part, which is that pew bit at the start of the dippy dippy bit, yep. which makes it sound like a breakdown. Uh, Phineas Eilish here just took the dippy dippy bit and slowed it down, which makes it harder to detect in the song, which is why it's not immediately obvious. Uh, still, it shows that a new generations of artists are being influenced to craft beauty from the industrial world around them yep. in the form of stop signs. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, what sounds would you think you know you could take from the world and fold into your next art of seduction track? Do you reckon? Um, certainly Melbourne trams, you know, when <laughs> someone runs out across the front of the tram and some, do, they just go, ding, 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 That, I reckon you can get that's, into a good song. That's good. The so, incredibly loud screeching when they go around a corner. Yeah, Possibly absolutely. use that in a black metal song. Yeah, for sure, the for sure. Screeching of death wraiths coming to kill you or something. Yeah, I think, um... That's right. The, our environment around us, there's mm. so much that we can take from that and use. And um, yeah, I didn't realise that Billie Eilish was one of the leading industrial <laughs> artists of today because it sounds like that's sort of one of her main sort of, you know, it, she could be from sort of the steelworks of, you know, from 
from mm. Birmingham or something like that or Sheffield so or one of your experimental Einsteins and New Mountain type yeah, correct, know, correct. European industrial you know reactionaries but exactly yeah. Look, as my TikTok fam already know, I've created an entire album based around the PlayStation 1 startup noise. Oh, good. Using vocal samples from those automatic public toilets <laughs> saying you've got five minutes to take a shit or they'll turn the sprinklers on. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, regarding this song, uh, Billie Eilish Pirate Beard O'Connell, that's her middle name is Pirate, um, said, <laughs> I quote, uh, bad guys basically making fun of everyone and their personas of themselves, even mine. The initial idea for the song is like people who have to tell everybody that they are a certain way all the time. They're not that certain way. In general, I feel like you'll never catch a bad bitch telling everyone she's a bad bitch. If you're going around all the time saying, yeah, I'm bad, I'm always breaking rules and doing this and doing that, you're probably not. I know that because I used to say that and I wasn't. Bad kids, bad boys, bad bitches, whatever, they do that shit and they don't even know. Wow. You know. That's good. <laughs> I think if Donald Trump demonstrated anything, it was the truth behind the fact that, you know, geniuses don't brag about their intelligence. <laughs> Hard nuts don't show off their strength. The wealthy don't boast about their bank accounts. And people whose brains aren't a shriveled sponge made of coke holes don't need to brag about how they passed a brain injury competence test with the best results the scientific community had ever seen. You know, <laughs> none of which probably actually happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, getting into that. So the lyrics are things like, so you're a tough guy, like it really rough guy, just can't get enough guy, chest always so puffed guy, I'm that bad type, make your mum a sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type, I'm the bad guy. Duh. I don't know why, but that duh always gets me. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, she says it at the end of yeah. every verse, just says duh. I don't know. It makes sense, but it fits perfectly. It's like the pedal cars in the video. They don't really make sense, but it just works. Absolutely. That's my opinion. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, yeah, I guess that's kind of the thing, like you say, you know, it's not, it does not change in the world, but there's something to be said for just coming at things with a sense of, you know, newness at least yeah going, yeah and, and going oh that traffic light sounds red I'm going to use that in song instead of going googling has anyone else used this traffic light in this exactly. song three times already yeah yeah hopefully she uses that creativity again at some stage in the future because <laughs> she certainly refrained from doing that in any song I've heard of her since but sure. look um, we can we can hope we can only hope um, 52 million listeners on Spotify this the cheapest version of this I could find $48 so there you wow. go boom crazy days crazy days um, alright Tom up next yeah what have we got it is Little Nas X Old Town Road wow. for uh, 13, 13 weeks. weeks. Now, in a normal year, that would be a ridiculously massive song. Oh. That's a quarter of a fucking year. Absolutely. Know? This would be as big as it gets in any given year. But um, <laughs> as we find out later on, I think it <laughs> might be superseded by something else, Tom. That now, is, sorry, that just to quickly, that reminds me, I forgot to ask before, but did you get a chance to listen to Old Brown Chode, that song parody I see? <laughs> I'm taking that on a tour of rural bowling clubs as part of my lifelong attempt to become the new Rodney Rude. Okay, yeah. I've not. But um, look, I'll check it out when I get home, I think. I think sure. it's, it's good. It's uh, going pretty well. It's uh, really hampered only by a complete lack of musical talent yeah, and Southern yeah. Cross tattoo. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Look, um, I'll tell you what, Tom. Just when you thought hip-hop was dead, Little Nas X steps up to the plate and <laughs> breathes some new life into the genre. Sure. Now, you could even substitute the word country for the word hip-hop. Oh, exactly the right. Argument. Exactly. I mean, as I was going to say, like this was number one for an initial run of um, mm. four weeks, I believe it was. Yep. Then there was a break for a bit, and then people realised they hadn't had enough of this, and it came back for an additional nine weeks at number one. Um, there was a remix which featured Billy Ray Cyrus, yes, who most people will know as Miley Cyrus's dad, and will be thinking, "I'm glad he's followed in his daughter's footsteps <laughs> and turned his mind to music." Um, so yeah, but I guess what happened was some people suggested that the original wasn't country enough. Yes, yeah. So it couldn't get on the country charts, and little Nas X said, "This is as country as it gets." So it, it, it was on the country charts, yep. and then they took it off. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, strange. And they were just like, "No, no, no." So he teamed up with Billy Ray, and I think that was enough to sort of the remix could project it into that. So it's sort of one of those songs mm. that's, um, yeah, look, I guess <laughs> enough hip hop and enough country to sort of yeah. you know sort of go on both sides of the fence look basically little Nas X is following in the footsteps of pioneers such as Uncle Cracker um, <laughs> blending country with hip hop although mm. I don't think he's um, molesting people or doing whatever the fuck Uncle Cracker was doing so um, some have dubbed this sort of melding of the two genres as hip hop while others have oh, dubbed shit. it straight garbage depending oh, on who you talk to but but oh, Little Nas X, yeah, terrible, isn't it? Little Nas X, um, I guess he's probably produced the first sort of country trap hit. Yeah. Perhaps? Yeah. It certainly seems... Yeah, I mean... Like even Rap just- and country is not... I, I don't think it's anything new in the sense that people have been blending it poorly yeah. for quite some time. Yes. But, uh, like, it's weird to even sort of talk about it because it immediately comes down to the, th- the question of, well, how do you define what country even is? Yeah, yeah. You know, like like you were saying, they... Um, hang on. Uh, yeah, so he... The original... Did you listen to the original song? Like, the, the, uh, yeah, the one did. that he got popular on TikTok? Yeah, so it's very minimal. It's basically just that Nine Inch Nails sample, a beat and the vocal... Which is a very low key, like trap. You say vocal, you know. It's, yep. it's not. He's not really rapping, even, no. and he's not really singing. And it's less than two minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's like very a minute short. fifty. Very short. And yep. yeah, despite that, the song sort of slowly took off on the Billboard Hot Country chart yep. somehow and got to number nineteen before the magazine disqualified it from the chart on the grounds that it did not fit the genre. But genre. But then the question is, well, what qualifications are they fucking? Using, you know, like. do they still let um, <laughs> Taylor Swift shake it off on the country charts? Are they That's still doing right. those ones? And I mean, you know, presumably, even to get to number nineteen on the Billboard Hot Country chart in America would mean that probably millions of country fans are listening to it, believing it to be country. Like, who who are you to tell them that that's not? Country, oh, exactly. You know, if exactly. they if country and Western fans think it's country, then yeah, yeah. Now, well, you've, yeah. as you mentioned, the, the, um, the, the Nine Inch Nails sample, because um, yeah. effectively what some people might not know is that um, the beat for this, the, the, the background music, the instrumental, was produced by um, a Dutch record producer named Young Keo. Mm-hmm. 
and he basically put this up online, didn't he? Yeah, and it seems like he basically just makes rap beats and sells yep. them through YouTube. Yep. He yep. just says, here, you know, if you're interested, email me and I'll sell you them. So Lil Nas X uh, picked this up for 30 US dollars. It's quite good value. Tracked this down on the YouTube, yeah, 30 bucks, mm-hmm. and then just recorded his Old Town Road rap bit over the yep. top in an afternoon, I think. He knocked <laughs> yeah. it out in a day. Um, so that's hit making in 2019 Tom you find someone selling a beat in an online beat store pay 30 bucks for it rap about some horses over the top of it and get it on TikTok Chucking and then you're pretty much done uncleared yeah. 9 inch nail sample <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so it's good to know that Trent Reznor is probably getting a little bit of cash off the yes. old uh, old town road I guess yeah well I mean he did end up clearing the sample obviously but I mean it really is even the, even the finished one is still basically just that $30 beat that the guitar sample the, yep. and his vocal like it really and and you know and then in the the third version it's got Billy Ray Cyrus yes. yeah, yeah. so that to add that crucial fourth part of the puzzle <laughs> Correct. could yeah. he be one of the new Beatles Ben I, I think Cyrus, he probably is yeah definitely the two black Beatles yep and that other guy Post Malone that we love so much could be the new Beatles Sorry. yeah uh, yeah yeah no I, I just think it's really interesting even that I found myself thinking even with this complicatedly sort of weirdly half-assed yet complex origin story I still don't really understand how this one minute fifty long fucking YouTube fuck around yep. made in a day thing somehow got onto the Billboard Hot Country chart but, yeah, yeah I'm not sure enough people must have streamed it enjoyed it in the old days know. you used to have a DJ find it on the you know, on the floor of a studio or something by accident or some mate of his give him a CD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God knows what happened. I mean, do you prefer the original or the remix with Billy Ray? Or um, I'm a big fan of Soul Town Road, um, (laughs) released by one of the guys from BTS, Korean boy band, which is obviously also very good. I think I'll stick with my version of Old Brown Show for the moment. If anything, it's even more stripped back because it's just me mumbling that I recorded it inside a uh, public toilet on my phone and uh, it has no samples of anything other than the guy in the stall next to me taking a large dump. Take a dump, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's only a minute 20 seconds so okay. I've beat him in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Uh, look, um, yeah, uh, these songs collectively spent 19 weeks at the top spot on the mainstream billboard charts. Wow. Although it never got back on the country charts again. Damn. Uh, but it did still get played on country radio a lot. So, again, the country mm. and western fans liked it. Uh, the Arias list this as just Old Town Road, but I'm pretty sure they are listing the Billy Ray remix version. Yep. Partly, you know, at least because it's the only one that's got a video. Yeah. The other ones yeah, don't even have a video. So, yeah. And then that video won Best Video of the Year at the MTV Awards. Really? You know? Yeah. There what you did go. you think? Um, I mean, yeah, he's on a horse and... Um, the start bit's kind of funny. Yeah. And he sort he... of shows up in the hood on yep. a horse wearing, like, brown old person. True. Yeah. Because he's travelled through time <laughs> to the future. <laughs> yes. Somehow. We, they, they don't really explain that. No. Either. But all of a sudden, 
um, Little Nas X because he's in the 1880s and then the next thing you know he's in like he's in modern ghetto. day and he's in the ghetto it's and barbershop three and then people again. are trying to like and I think he races a guy <laughs> drag races, drag races and yep. in, in, on his horse so yeah look it's it's good actually it's not I mean it's it's better than basically all the other video clips I quite like Billy the short it, so. originals like that weird sort of fuck around yeah somebody asked him why he sampled Nine Inch Nails and he replied I didn't even know about the Nine Inch Nail sample at first. After I did find out about it, it was like, wow, so it's rock, country, and hip-hop all in the same room. I am a Nine Inch Nails fan, but I wouldn't say a hardcore fan. (laughs) I know Closer, and I know Hurt. Honestly, it makes me feel great that I was able to put completely different worlds together and make a song that so many people like. Almost everybody who I've shown this song to, even people commenting comments like, hey, I hate this genre and that genre, but I like this song. He also said, this is my first time dabbling into anything country-influenced. Nice. So, <laughs> on the one hand, it's easy to, like, roll your eyes at the idea of a guy slapping together a two-minute song a day using a beat and a sample from two people he knows nothing about, which then gets accidentally popular in a genre he doesn't know anything about either. And if you were a total wanker, you could say that that might be called cultural appropriation if the skin colours of the musical styles were reversed. Mm. But honestly... I kind of, like we were saying with Billie Eilish, I kind of like that, you know, it's getting harder and harder to do anything new in music, I reckon. There's just so much, you know, there's so much much more technology, but, you know, the genres are gradually filling out with, you know, all the possibilities of the chromatic scale and everything. And, yeah, but, you know, when you get sort of jaded about that stuff, I reckon it's cool that, even if you can't listen to something brand new, you can still at least listen to something through the eye, the, vicariously through the ears of some young people. You know, at least they're excited about something that they feel like you know is new. That might be the closest thing. You know, is this the future of music, Tom? <laughs> Industrial sampling, country hip hop. Possibly, yep. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if he can light up a new facet of, you know, a fucking traffic signal walk sign or some tired old cowboy bullshit about riding your horse into town, yep. that the other hundred songs before it about the same thing mixed, then I reckon they've earned their spot in the culture, you know. Personally, I'd rather listen to someone getting their mind expanded by a walk signal or by half taking the piss out of Billy Ray Cyrus than another sort of AI programmed cash in mm, post post correct, post yeah. post post punk boy band being hashtag rebellious or the next fucking mumble rap nugget to fall out of Drake's ass. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But if we do take one step back, sure. This is effectively Cotton Eye Joe, isn't it? <laughs> this well, is basically sure. Sure. Cotton Eye Joe, <laughs> A but genre instead of yeah, instead of early nineties dance, yeah. they've just mashed together some country with um, trap, <laughs> which is the current mm. mainstream popular part <laughs> of music. You know, once yet in nineteen ninety two, everyone wanted to have like some Euro beats True. on their track. And then around 2019, it's like, we've got to have a trap thing in there. So, yeah. And yeah. it seems like this was made with a sense of humour, but then again, so does oh, Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, definitely. Those rednecks, they had a sense of humour. Absolutely. You could tell because they spelled rednecks with an X. Yep. But what can you tell me about Little Nas X himself? Because um, <laughs> we've, we've spoken about the song, but we haven't really spoken much about him. Um, well, I've got to admit, 
Uh, Do you know much about I him? I don't really no, know much I, about I read that... Uh, what I read was that... Um, He's think, young, too. Yeah, I think he was sleeping on his sister's couch. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and she was like, yo, you got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think he dropped out of college. I think he, yeah. he, was go- he, he was either attending college, but sort of like not super into it. Yeah. Um, or he dropped out sleeping on his sister's couch pretty kind of aimless like wanted to pursue music but sort of hadn't really you know done much and I think she was like yo you've been on my couch for too long you sort of got to get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. um, buys the beat gets the song done uploads it and then fast forward you know a few months later and he's the biggest <laughs> thing in music it's at crazy. that time so credit where credit's due <laughs> like if you're unable to do your own beats at least he had the foresight to find the beat and go yo I think I can do something with this Mm. which he did and then you know he took a $30 beat that he bought online and turned it into a massive song in any year it'd probably be the biggest song of the year yeah yeah. so yeah credit where credit's due on that it made his career you know he became it put him in the position he is now where he's like the first sort of openly gay mainstream rapper he does like he performs at the fucking Super Bowl you know he's got his new videos are like cultural events and shit like that exactly you know? exactly like you say I mean I think he did a um, did he do a sorry I'm, I'm gonna get my no, video no. games mixed up here he did a massive concert either in um, was it did he do a Fortnite concert or like a Minecraft one yeah he, did, he one performed of in one of those I think where <laughs> very yeah, modish like, had like millions of people watching it or something <laughs> like that so obviously he uh, yeah you know at that time, it was like everyone wanted to see yeah. Little Nas X perform live in fucking Minecraft or some shit. Maybe he didn't perform at the Super Bowl. It might have been they might have played his new video at the Super. Look, Bowl. Look anyway, like he that. he yeah. went from basically getting yeah. kicked off a couch to being very successful. I mean, you so. could say again, you know, going back to the sort of Billie Eilish kind of and uh, thing as well, like the way the world is now. You know, at least when you're young and you have nothing you know you at least have this sort of almost limitless possibility of shit to steal from yeah and you know mash together in whatever way you want and uh until you get famous it's all free because you can just steal it you know oh, you don't course, have you can yeah. worry about the legal stuff later on yeah when you get you know, when you start, when you get yeah. to number 19 on the commercial charts and you're like, hmm, should I call up these nine-inch nails that I <laughs> somebody mentioned that yeah. I just got this off the... I think for me, though, Tom, the, the main thing is that Little Nas X is sort of inspirational in the sense that I, I always feel that if my life goes <laughs> severely <laughs> off the rails... Yeah. You sleep on um, the couch. I'm sleeping on my house. sister's couch and she's like, you got to get the fuck out of here. You mm-hmm. can't stay on the couch forever. Yeah, at least I know that all I need to do <laughs> go on YouTube yep. find a beat 30 bucks have, make sure I've got 30 bucks in the bank account you <laughs> that's know. right you can you know you can piss it all away and you know buy drugs etc get crazy but make sure there's always at least $30 mm. in that account so you can get that beat just that's wrap right. over the top of it upload it to TikTok and boom you that's know right. fame and fortune's coming your way so it's good to know that you've always got that you know in the back pocket just yeah. in case things go bad that's why I always keep a couple of copies of 
uh, ugly kid Joe, America's least wanted <laughs> under my bed at yeah. any time, because I know that then I've always got thirty dollars worth of you know resale value, <laughs> That's thirty true. Australian dollars worth of resale value that I can you know you can exchange take, take to Cunningham for a YouTube beak from exactly. some twat from Scandinavia exactly made up right. in ten seconds on his. Well, he's from the Netherlands. Netherlands. Okay. Sorry, sorry, it's okay. you're right. It's okay. <laughs> I don't. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, <laughs> falsely get the country wrong for young Keo because I, I can't imagine. I mean, what's what's the young Keo story? Is he after this after Old Town Road? Is he like basically the new David Guetta now, yeah. just DJing parties and shit, or is it just like he's still just cranking out thirty dollar beats? I so honestly f- couldn't find much about no, him. No, like, could like I, you say so. he. He, the only thing I figure out for him was that he's really young and that, as you say, he, he's from the Netherlands and he, he basically just makes his own beats and hurt them on Does he YouTube. get a songwriting credit on this? You'd have to he, say he, he does. does. Yeah, he well, does. there you go. He's, he's probably, he probably said heaps of cash. He heard it later on. It was oh, one yeah. of those ones where he sold this thing for 30 bucks and then later on he heard it on the radio thinking, hang on, does that sound vague? He's in the IGA or something getting eggs and he's like, fucking hell, wait on. <laughs> because so, by that, he probably didn't even know who he sold it to. Like, So he's yeah. not going to go, oh, little Nas X, that was that guy. Because yeah. he's just sold it to some random guy on the internet. But the songwriting credits would be also split between little Nas X, Trent Reznor, some other yeah. fucking whoever. Trent you know. Reznor and the guy, other guy from Atticus Ross. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, but look, awesome. even if Young Keo gets like like one tenth of the revenue that wow, came in for from sure. this, he's, he's obviously doing all right. For so sure. he's made more than the thirty bucks. So what um what sort of because obviously there's the country element to the music, but Little Nas X's lyrical spin. What sort of mm. picture did he paint <laughs> for us, Tom? Well, look, I don't know if this is country music or not. I know even less about country than I do about hip hop, but Lil Nas certainly picked up on the never more popular modern country technique of audience pandering through lyrics. Uh, riding on a tractor, lean all in my bladder, as in lean, that scissor. Uh, cheated on my baby, you can go and ask her. My life is a movie, bull riding and boobies, cowboy hat from Gucci, wrangler on my booty. Uh, most people off the top of their head would probably say that the chorus is gonna take my horse to the old town road etc but it's actually the actual chorus is just him drooling can't nobody tell me nothing Mm. which I find weirdly appealing especially in the really stripped down (laughs) you know it's so dry the original delivery is just so dry and unaffected it sounds like he's on the spectrum or something but yeah. I don't know I reckon it works really well in contrast to the verse about being rich and and the other verse which is about being poor there's one verse about being rich and one about being poor yeah. uh, it's probably the most old school country sounding bit in the song for me the rest of it just sounds like some shitty made up for a laugh but that sort of that can't nobody tell me nothing just has this kind of authentic I don't give a fuck sort yeah. of thing to it yeah, or maybe that comes from him, as you say, when he wrote it, sleeping on a couch, yep. not having anything. <laughs> Just, yeah, absolutely. It's also young too. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a youthful attitude that you know nobody can tell me anything. I know everything already. You know, yeah. And he sounds like he kind of finds it amusing at the same time. Which is, yep. Yeah. Do you think if Young Keo was asking, say, <laughs> forty bucks for the beat? <laughs> Do you like oh, little Nas X is like I don't. That's too I much. Can, I, I can't go that extra ten, <laughs> yeah. and we might not ever have had this song. So young Keo is it, the price point mm. is perfect. 
he's he's priced his product at exactly the right yeah, amount. Because if he'd priced it at say five bucks, then you know some other fuckwit like say Post Malone might have bought it, and then we could have would have had him going over yeah. the top. So. Um, you know, or Crazy Town might have picked it up and sort of done something with it. But, you know, it was at that sort of price point where not just any dick can get it. No. But it's not so much that someone like a little Nas X can buy it. So, yeah. Look, Tom, I'm going to I'm gonna check out some of Young Keo's work and I reckon we should buy a Young Keo beat <laughs> and uh, see what we can do with it. I could just about afford 30 bucks. Yeah, look, I reckon I'm put 30 aside, so... Um, if it's 30 US that's probably about 200 Australian dollars <laughs> these days I don't think the exchange rate is too favourable no. um, have you got anything else to say about this track um, I was just going to check to see if it was actually uh, credited to Young Kia or not or whether he just got because that's the difference between whether he got 30 bucks or because in terms of songwriting I mean it's it's made up of samples but if you've if you've constructed those samples into a new thing then you should get a songwriting credit surely I would have thought if you're buying a shit off if you're buying something off YouTube then it would it might just come down to a question of whether or not that person's ticked the royalties button (laughs) or not like whether you have to pay you know because he probably wasn't thinking oh this is going to become a massive worldwide hit but because you look at something like the avalanches like the avalanches of like you know they've got a you know they might have a song that has like a hundred samples yeah but if they so there's a hundred songwriters on there but you can't say that they shouldn't get anything out of that oh no no i mean like they've fashioned all of these things together into I mean, I, don't, yes. I feel a bit bad for those guys because they've <laughs> literally created something completely brand new out of yeah. just real small bits of stuff. But, but if you had to pay them too much, then there'd be no way to make an Avalanche's album because it would just... Yeah, if it's it like, we got so to split... To- I've got these royalties here, but I've got to split them like 8,000 ways. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the answer is that he did get... He good, did get that's good, good to see. Hopefully, I hope he's got a yacht somewhere and he's just fucking <laughs> on there hanging out and just... Cranking beats out for 30 bucks and, you know, keeping it real. So. Sure. All right. Um, um, 35 million listeners for Lil Nas X. Fucking hell. Yep. So he's done it. He's gone wow. from zero to 35 mil in like about, you know, three years. So yeah. good for that. Um, cheapest copy of this I could find was $83. So Fucking there you hell. go. So um, <laughs> save your pennies, Lil Nas X yeah. fans, if you want a physical copy of Old Town Road. And who wouldn't? So um, coming up next, Tom, is... I think just for one week is just that right one week, it is oh it's Ed Sheeran <laughs> fucking back again and Justin Bieber with I Don't Care now Tom <laughs> two of your favourite artists teaming up <laughs> expectations must have been sky fucking high at your house mm. question is did they deliver <laughs> well first off I mean look at that title I Don't Care by <laughs> Ed Sheeran and Bieber that's a level of title slash reaction synergy that I haven't <laughs> felt since the Black Eyed Peas triple play of Shut Up, Take It Off, and Something For That Ass, <laughs> uh, which are three real songs by the Black Eyed Peas. But, is yeah. it they don't care about songwriting anymore, or is it the, have they specified what they don't care about? Well, this is like the third or possibly fourth time that they've joined up it might be the fourth time that they've joined up third time at number one that we've discussed yeah but yeah speaking of pandering this is another sort of low energy pop 
hot dance hall wibbly thing from the Sheeran Bieber two man child supergroup nobody asked for. Yeah. He's not even playing guitar anymore in this bin. No. Nah. He's given that up. Half the lyrics are boop ba boop ba boop boop boo. Like this is what I mean. Like you compare this to Billie Eilish with Bad Guy, they have a ostensibly similarly sort of stripped back minimal thing, but Bad Guy is full of weird little you know like it's not it's not the craziest song in the world it's not mm. like experimental glitch techno or fucking high speed de- technical death or something but it's got oddnesses to it whereas this is just there's nothing unpredictable in this entire song it's just it, yeah no I completely agree Tom now look what you'll see about this song is that this is the first single released off the Number Six Collaborations Project album. Ah, yes. Ed yep. Sheeran's he album. He ran out of math symbols to yep. name his fucking albums after, yeah. so this one's... Uh, and yeah. there are another seven singles released off this album. Oh, Christ. Are uh, they all collaborations? Is that they are. So okay. it's the number... So the whole album is a collaborations project. Yep. Um so seven singles released off this which for many was far worse than the global pandemic that was to follow the next year (laughs) having to suffer through eight singles off this album um i sure hope there weren't five other of these collaboration projects now you know what collaboration is tom for sheeran um what i think he's done is he's thought of every person who's had a hit in the last three years uh then he's implied he's sort of employed sorry a will i am a being uh, uh, Reed right. ripping off that artist's style <laughs> in the form of a new song and then getting them to sing on it in the hopes of generating more cash mm. uh, of hits he's co-written. So that's what I think the whole project is basically that. Bieber's popular. Let's I'll A, B a mm. Bieber song and then just copy that and then get him to sing on it. Then I'll A, B a fucking Cardi B song Which, and she can come and pop on I the mean, answer. Is he just like fucking... Like at this point, doing that for Ed Sheeran, when you look at his past legal history it's like it's not just like Icarus flying too close to the sun no it's like Icarus opening up flying too close to the sun airlines three <laughs> flights a day every day of the week yep. you know and taking out massive loans to fund his new getting really close to the sun airlines that he's planning to make a profit of I think it's but, effectively Icarus um, opening a timeshare on the sun I think Tom <laughs> he's right. moved into it he's moved well, into the sun an so. exclusively wax based Building oh, technique that he's thought for of. sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I just don't know how many times he's already been sued by people for ripping off their fucking songs. Yeah, yeah. but I guess what he's done here is he's like, well, he gets them on board. To you're team ripping up off to each other, sort of, yeah, 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 and then yeah, it's a mutually masturbatory exercise. And as Correct. we know from the previous ones, Justin Bieber has a weird affection for any old shit that he finds in the waste paper bin underneath Ed Sheeran's desk, and you know. Absolutely yeah. right, absolutely. So look, um, so yeah, certainly th- that's what this sort of project is. So him just doing a bit, you know, a bit of duet where it sort of, you know, sounds exactly like the person he's duetting with. Look, in a few years, this will be one of those albums where people look back at and sort of say, oh, look who was big in 2019, <laughs> yeah. one of those type albums. Oh, okay. There'll be some, you know, people that will continue on and sort of still be quite popular. People will be like going, oh yeah, he was on that Ed Sheeran thing. He's still popular now. Then there'll be other people who are like, who in the living fuck is that there might be a few people in prison you know the way that the world is going these Mm. days tom with cancel culture on pedophiles so but look i will say this 
For every filter plus the crystal method, you get a stabbing Westwood and wink. Um, that's a Spawn soundtrack reference for those unfamiliar with that. And the Spawn soundtrack was one that explored the concept of teaming up a new metal heavy rock band with an electronic artist popular at the time mm. with, um, let's be kind and say, mixed results, I think some may say. It was say. no judgment night. That's it was no judgment sure. night, exactly. So, judgment night was about five to eight years ahead of its time. It was, correct. It was, basically invented it was, it new metal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mixing the hip-hop with the hard rock, I believe. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, it's going to be that. So people will look back in five years' time and say, you know, I think... I'm sorry. In five years' time, people will probably look yep. back and sort of say, oh, yeah, Cardi B is a bigger artist than Yeba. But um, we don't know. We don't. We don't know that for sure. Perhaps the tides will turn, and we'll Who look at the sort of knows. we'll look at that collaboration number six project sort of track list and go, oh wow, this is where Yeba got her start. She's fucking massive now. I think it's more likely that people will look back and go, hmm. I wish I was listening to the Spawn soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Instead of this, because it was way better. Um, do you trip like I do? Oh. <laughs> I believe that was a, that might be filter plus the crystal method. So yeah. Hey, that's got one good line in it. That song. Uh, I've got the patience of a chopping block. Yeah. Oh, good song. good. It's better than any line in this fucking song, which is mostly, as I said, boot, ba boot, ba boot. I think boot, even boot. Silverchair teamed up with someone. Yep, on that one. they're the on there. Spawn yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, good and times. Corner on there. I'm pretty oh, sure. Or the who's who <laughs> of new metal sound. Now, um, interestingly, Tom, did you watch the music video for this? I did. I was going to ask you what you thought of it. Well, weirdly, the music video—it looks like it's sort of—it's deliberately shit-looking green screen yes. action. Sort of effectively kind of twee, fake indie yeah. kind of, yeah. Which is kind of wild because in just a few months, once COVID hit, all videos would look like that <laughs> or be shot over Zoom. It was all like mm. shitty, I'm in my apartment with a green screen. Yeah. So either Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber sort of, you know, preempted that or maybe, <laughs> just maybe, Tom, Ed Sheeran or Justin Bieber, <laughs> or both, are from the future. Mm. That would explain how Ed Sheeran has so many hits. He ABs some bullshit from his time and then travels back in time and releases it, which explains all the lawsuits as well. Because so, why would they release a real shitty sort of yeah. COVID-era green screen video three months before COVID hit? This is an interesting idea. So you're saying that perhaps there's a there's a very talented or at least moderately talented artist yep. that existed in a parallel universe to ours and but in a, in this other universe there's Ed Sheeran mm. um, and he's figured out how to travel back through time or into alternate dimensions and he just happens to like this artist. So he's covering this artist uh and then releasing his own extremely crap cover versions as the original, but there's just enough of the original artist's actual talent to yep. make them still popular. So buried underneath is this sort of skeleton of an original catchy idea, which he's then sort of crapped all over with his half-assed busker noodlings. Correct, yeah. Yes. Effectively that. Ed Sheeran's from like 2025, 
He mm. just looks back in time and says, oh, that was popular then. Writes it, A-Bs it, does a will I am, A-Bs it. Yeah. Travels back in time and releases it. And then everyone's like, oh, it's the future of music. And each time And, then, that and original... he slipped up. He slipped up because yeah. he's done the green screen COVID video, but he's released it a few months too early. <laughs> that's what he's done. So that's that's one. And somewhere in a bedroom, there's this really frustrated guy who's actually got a bit of talent. And every time the new Ed Sheeran song comes out, he's... He just yeah. goes, oh, he's done it again. I was just working on a song about a girl from Ireland. Oh, yeah, I know, oh, exactly right. I was going to get a tattoo of it, and this cunt's come along and just copied the same idea. How does he keep doing it? I hope he doesn't... I got mine spelt wrong. I hope he doesn't <laughs> copy it to that detail. God damn it. Anyway, so that's one theory. I'll throw it out there, Tom. <laughs> might, might, there's others, obviously, of course. far more interesting than the actual real thing. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think this is mostly just some 15-year-old sort of Michelle Gondry shit with a bit of Adult Swim animation <laughs> chucked over a lot of fake bad green screen. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that gave me the shits about it most is that you basically got two unfathomably rich rock stars pretending not just to be like normal guys, but the sort of introverted nerds that have trouble at parties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, like outside of skin colour, this is nerd cultural appropriation and it makes me pissed off on behalf of anxiety-prone introverts, including occasionally me, who legitimately struggle in social situations and are expected to tough it out without $100 million and that chick from the Pussycat Dolls to go home to. Yeah. All we ask in return is to take a dump on Ed Sheeran's windscreen, Ben. Is that really so much to us? Oh, I think that's fine, Tom. You know, yeah, maybe you push a bit up under the door handle so he doesn't know it's up there. You know? Yeah, Justin might have a tough time in, in social situations, <laughs> though, Tom, because he's got that thing now where when he, like, he's, he, he, his eye, you know, when he talks, his eye closes. He's got that disease now. Oh, I didn't his know. His eye, like, vol- he, he can't. He can't help like he's something's gone wrong with the nerves in his oh, face. Oh, that's a shame. So when I he tries to that. when he tries to talk, he's like his eye involuntarily closes. So mm. yeah, um, yeah. I was going to ask, you know, did this sort of lo-fi analog made it at home on my computer um, video make help you to sort of identify with the struggles of a bowling ball headed blood nut and a bottled blonde twink, you know? <laughs> getting on with chicks at parties but now I find out one of them's got a you know eye twitch disease then I feel slightly bad about saying that I think he'll be alright somehow oh he'll be fine he's married to like a model or something so (laughs) sure he's got a touch of the homeschooled abstinence ring about him as well that guy for all these fucking tats and shit I mean, he, I think he, we've all seen him. Um, I haven't. I've not been there, but um, I've heard that he, you know, hangs out with the old Hillsong crew. Yeah. So yeah. one is, of those pastors who wore six hundred dollars sneakers until he got investigated for <laughs> yawn sexual abuse, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. being a massive misogynist. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, that dude. It was all about um, you know, no sex before marriage, uh, except for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, and as we know from your uh, thorough journalistic investigation into his career, pretty much the hardcorest, most rock and roll thing that uh, <clears throat> that Bieber ever did was toilet paper someone's house yeah, for exactly. yelling at him for being exactly a dickhead. Right. Exactly. So, so. yeah, that's pretty Christian as yeah. far as I know. Now, Tom, do the lyrics get into precisely mm. <laughs> what Ed and Justin? don't care about because yeah. they clearly don't care well they're rebels they've never cared they don't care what people think they don't care about the music industry they don't care about public opinion yes. they don't care they're just two free-spirited individuals 
producing music for the masses and mm. just having a great time. <laughs> and they don't care, Tom. Is that what the lyrics tell us? Well, you'd think so, because that's exactly the sort of shit that they normally write. Yeah. But in this one instance, for reasons unknown to anybody, they've decided to, instead of... I don't care about, you know, TPing my neighbour's house or I don't care about picking up chicks in the club. Or I don't care about copyright infringement um, <laughs> being exactly. sort of Ed Sheeran's sort exactly. of... Exactly. Yep. Yep. I don't care about looking like a 40-year-old lesbian at the age of 19. <laughs> that What they don't care about in this is that they they go to parties, oh, I'm awkward, I'm all green-screened uh, and don't have any money. And now that yeah, but when I meet you, then I then I don't care. I don't care about the cruel glares of all these weird people around me, you know, because I'm not famous. Remember, I am just like you. I'm just a normal person. Yeah. I mean, speaking of conveyor belts, uh, this is another neatly boxed audio cube from Max Martin's Music Factory. Oh Jesus! Although he's now got Shell back on the levers and Fred Gibson inspecting the assembly line, while Max can safely step into the executive toilets with a copy of White Hot Volvos for a quick wank. <laughs> and together, these five adult men, plus another guy called Pooh Bear, real name Pooh McGillicuddy, managed to astonish the world with lyrics such as, I'm at a party I don't want to be at, oh, yeah. and I don't ever wear a suit and tie, yeah. Wondering if I could sneak out the back. Nobody's even looking me in the eyes. Then you take my hand, finish my drink, say, shall we dance? Hell yeah. So uh, this is clearly a multi-millionaire extrovert's idea of what being shy might be like, uh, which he captures as well as he captures most emotions, e.g. with the brittle predictability of that translucent cellophane flap inside a $2 op shop photo (laughs) album. He's also maybe the last guy on the charts still unironically writing choruses like I can deal with the bad nights when I'm with my baby, yeah. Ooh, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's good to see Cliff Richard still on the charts 2023. Oh, yeah. Those sorts of lyrics where it's just sort of like, you know, um, I'll, I'm, I'll be fine if I'm with you. It's like, I don't have a job. We're living in it. We're, we're living. Oh, yeah. We're living in a, a skip. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm eating rats. Yeah. It's um, dodgy enough rats, when it, when it comes be, from... But I'll be fine when I'm with you. Yeah, it's dodgy enough when it comes from an actual 19-year-old sleeping on his sister's couch. When it comes from a fucking multi-millionaire, yeah. you know. Oh, God. Now, Tom, I've got a proposition for Justin Bieber, <laughs> sure. if he's listening. Now, he's married to um, one of the Baldwin girls... Um, I believe uh, Haley Baldwin, Baldwin, Paul, yes. Baldwin, some sort of Instagram model or supermodel. Of now her father is Stephen Baldwin. Sure. Um, could we get a family sort of, and I think Stephen would approve of this, given that Justin Bieber's effectively his son now. Could we get Justin Bieber to star in a remake of Biodome? <laughs> With him doing the soundtrack as well, do you think? Is that something we could get happening? I'm saying greenlit. You've got a million dollars right off the bat for that idea. Straight off it's the bat. It's amazing no one's done it. It's a Biodome a remake. you got Justin Bieber in the role. Who's the other guy, though? Ed. Ed Sheeran. Oh, Ed and, Ed and Justin Ed in the Biodome. Then you've got... And Justin's... 
father-in-law can advise him on you know mm. the role and say you know here's what I was thinking <laughs> here's my creative process this is what you should do isn't he also a crazy Christian I think he's well? insane yeah which is which so is he can great, be so. the, they can be leading each other in prayer yeah. behind the scenes too for sure so I think that I think that's something that I'd like to see in the not too distant future so I would like, like Ed Sheeran in that film to be played by that puppet of him from that music video because the puppet was significantly <laughs> goes, less annoying than the real puppet not to mention as we discussed physically more attractive somehow yeah. than the real would I, I'd go to see Ed Sheeran live if I knew that it was the puppet performing all the songs right. I think I'd pay money for that and with puppeteers on stage there might be some actual you know technical craftsmanship going into his <laughs> fucking exactly. performances exactly so look Ed Sheeran 82 million listeners Ugh. Justin Bieber 75 million listeners now this is insane Tom um there's only one copy of this CD single for sale on Discogs <laughs> and it will cost you $243 wow so is that the highest we've had maybe it is I'm not I sure mean, unless they printed three of them I truly only out of Japan I think so it's crazy <laughs> anyway you got anything more to say about this maybe no. Japan's there any people left still playing CDs no, I think they are I think they are mm. I think I think Sony have convinced the government <laughs> they've forced everyone to have a CD player it's like dude the economy will crash if, if, if people don't keep buying CD players we're fucking done so Every household must have a CD player and a, and a PlayStation Five. I think they did love CDs. There was quite there was like five years when they were they would release music videos on just the CD video format, that which never even happened over here. You know, you could buy. Yeah, yeah. I knew they were onto a good thing when the first time I walked into a used um, like bookshop in in Japan, mm-hmm. and I went to the upstairs bit, and basically it was like walking into. Um, sort of a library but of just laser discs it was oh, shelves wow. shelves <laughs> of just used laser discs and I was like okay we're onto something here obviously they are so, a country of early adopters they are, they really are. so they just loved um, yep that sort of uh, get by going out and buying music videos on things the size of an LP you know what so, I saw on the internet today uh, yep. I saw a 1980s uh, sharp cassette Walkman that had a television in the top of it <laughs> Yes. fucking sick cassette walking <laughs> with a TV in there it's fucking what's awesome what's not to like it's fantastic it's a slight problem that no one uses cassettes anymore and there aren't any analogue TV stations oh, anymore oh but look but, you know it's you fine know. You can, oh yeah I'm sure <laughs> also cool. to get it to work you had to look into it at that angle that your broken laptop had previously <laughs> where you basically got it it didn't open more than like <laughs> 25 degrees yes. yeah. and every time you turn it by 0.5 of a degree the aerial goes out of range so then it can't but yeah still I take my hat off absolutely that's fantastic so after that Tom mm. after I don't care it was nine more weeks of Little Nas X as yep. we spoke about previously and then um, we're into Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello Senorita, Senorita. Only um, one for, week. A, for a single week yeah exactly now um, this is the old a couple records a single to monetize their relationship before it inevitably explodes single time. Ah, I didn't know this. So, yeah, old Sean Mendes and Camilla Cabello were in a relationship. Well, I'll say purportedly in a relationship because it was claimed okay. that their relationship was fake yeah. for publicity to try and, you know, push this song a little bit further. 
But it raises a good question. Why anyone would give a flying fuck that these two people are in a relationship is anyone's guess. Better fake a relationship. Yeah. Who cares? Um, if they'd released, you know, if their relationship was fake, they should have doubled down and released a fake sex tape, I'd say. So, well, I mean, plenty of people do. They certainly <laughs> have done that as well. You no, know, I see what you mean. It's kind of, it's sort of oddly paradoxical. Like, if you're not, if you're insufficiently famous to require a fake relationship to push your single then the fake relationship would be of not enough interest to push said single yeah exactly you know if you're famous enough for people to care about it then you probably don't need to pretend to be in a fucking relationship yeah it does make you wonder how many of these relationships are fake especially when you get into anybody that's involved in social media I, I pretty much I just assume that their relationships aren't real with yeah. this point. I'm gonna say, for example, one hundred percent of Tom Cruise's relationships <laughs> have been fake. How um, dare you? <laughs> but yeah, the Church of Scientology are very real. And yeah, they, that, that's you know, true. I, I shouldn't. I, I well, David miscarriage. Cabbage. He loves his wife so much that he keeps her in a dungeon and doesn't let her see daylight. No, exactly. She's not been seen for a while. So, but that's just to protect her from from the that's outside right, world. That's right. Suppressive yeah. persons, you know. Yeah, definitely. Now, Tom, um, you love some Latino flair in your songs, don't you? <laughs> you would love this a little bit of I actually, stuff. I mean, I used to not hate it, and then a certain thing called Miami Bass came along, and yeah. Yeah, look, um, you know, Sean Mendes, he's from Canada. Yeah, he's But white his house. dad is Portuguese. So, he's so if of... his Portuguese dad has some relatives in <laughs> Brazil... Yeah. ...or another part of South America, I guess that counts, does it? Yeah. Not and really. and yeah, probably I mean, not. It, it and Camilla's I mean, from from uh, Cuba, is that right? I think so. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that. This is her second yeah. visit to the top after her, her song Havana in 2017. But yeah, she she lived most of her life in America. They came over when she was a little girl. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah, so know, he doesn't qualify question. as a Latino flair type dude. I would no. Have thought, so. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not a person who cares about cultural appropriation no. that much. Call call me Generation X unreconstructed. No, I, I couldn't twat give a fuck either. But but I do think there is something just tacky about pretending to do something inauthentic <laughs> and uh, lame. I mean, at least she has a sort of. You know, I might just throw in some flamenco guitar yeah, and just be like, oh. and she's got a bit of an accent. Uh, yeah, look, I don't know. This is, uh, as you say, this is the pair's second collaboration after their first duet. I know what you did last summer, Ooh. Uh, which annoyingly has nothing to do with the movie. I know what you did last summer, or for that matter, the movies. I still know what you did last summer. Or I'll always know what you did last summer. <laughs> I wrote down what you did last summer so I won't forget it. Or yeah. remind me what you did last summer again. I lost the piece of paper. Uh, also, the song doesn't feature either of them getting killed with a meat hook, which oh, I feel Jesus. is a lost opportunity. Yeah, I actually, we have you heard that song? I actually prefer that song. For I know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's better than this. It's more of a sort of pop rock thing. Yeah. yeah exactly. At this point, we've had almost two decades of Miami just jizzy neon spoof all over the charts, Ben. Yeah. And for me, it's wearing pretty fucking thin. I mean, oh. also, who the fuck wants to live in Florida? Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus. It sounds like the shit. worst place in the they world. They made a film honest, about so. that called Spring Breakers, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, 
I don't know. I, I met a guy once, Tom, um, a few years ago that said my he, he had a goal. He was from the UK and he said, I want to go to all 50 states of America. Now, mm-hmm. um, I'm not shitting on that. That's fine if that's what you want to do. Definitely, sure. you know, I'm sure that each state has its own sort of vibe and culture. And, uh, you know, America, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a mixing pot, isn't it, of all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. stuff. So you're probably going to get a bit of a different atmosphere if you're yeah. in, you know, North say... North Dakota. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> South but Dakota. When you're doing that list of 50, Florida's got to be down the like the bottom, doesn't it, in terms of the, like, the yeah. last one to tick off. Like, <laughs> wow, fuck, I've done... You know, I'm going to get through 50, but, I mean, mm. I don't know. It Maybe is, you can meet Vanilla Ice. That could be cool. I mean, it's uh, got a, it's you know it's got a sort of cliched reputation for being a shithole full of mm. alligators on meth. The only problem is every single news story that you ever read about it involves exactly that sort of behaviour. Yeah. They also have some of the worst politicians in America, which is a pretty high fucking bar for yeah. shitness. Exactly. <laughs> Graft and corruption outside of the third world, and even then they'd be you know putting some of them up to the challenge I mean I think they're currently banning books about teddy bears because you know you can't tell whether the teddy bears have dicks or not exactly it sounds like a good place and somewhere (laughs) that I can't wait to visit one day so on the other hand you might run into the bad boys yeah that is true exactly early T Leone I'd probably you know yeah okay there's a few advantages yeah (laughs) Uh, Mendes has cited John Mayer Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, Justin Timberlake, and Bruno Mars as his main influences. So you know that he's going to be fucking garbage. If you've indicated that Ed Sheeran is an influence, you may as well get a t-shirt printed that just says boring musician and wear it absolutely everywhere that you go. He's the most interesting member of his five-man influences team. He's probably an ex-member of... Insync, who was yeah. initially became famous by going out with Britney Spears. Yeah, <laughs> you can look. I mean, I can see uh, Ed Sheeran as someone that's aspirational in the sense that it's like he's got a level of fame that I oh, want to sure. achieve. Yeah, so I can understand wanting to get to that fame level, but in terms of influencing your music oh, I mean no. Jesus Christ it's like I want to write the blandest shit imaginable hey, yep. man this fits perfectly into your theory about what it is that makes artists suck your three part you need an acronym for that but yep. yeah you know the, the thing that a person can be musically talented mm-hmm. and they can work really hard but if they have extremely shit influences bad influences they're still going to just yeah. at best they're going to make well made crap Yep. Which is kind of what this is, really. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, look, you know, so Sean Mendez is trash. Um, don't really want to get too much into his work. Camilla Calabo, uh, sorry, Cabello, um, talked about her before because she had a hit the other yep. week. Um, she was a member of Fifth Harmony, Tom. Yes. Who I've always considered the poor man's <laughs> pussy man, pussycat dolls, but that's okay. Now, their biggest hit in Australia was 2016's Work From Home, Tom. Are you familiar with that Work song? Work From Home? We they had a song called yeah, Work From Home in 2016, um, <laughs> which was a song in which Fifth Harmony expressed their belief that many employees engaged in office-based activities could perform those duties from home, increasing productivity in the process. So certainly ahead of their time. 
Well, mm. that's what I thought the song was about, but then I watched the music video, and it appears the song actually encourages um, your partner to call in sick so they can work from home, uh, read Deep Dick, A Fifth How Many Man. <laughs> so that's what the song was actually about. To be fair, that does sound significantly more enjoyable than participate in a series yeah, of Zoom definitely. meetings with people where everyone's <laughs> taking sure. hearty swigs of tequila just out of camera range, they hope, with their pants off under the desk, which is how I passed 2020. But exactly. So the song had a little bit of a, um, unsurprisingly... Um, it was from 2016, but yeah, it had a bit of a resurgence in sort of early 2020 um, when people started working from home because of COVID stuff. Oh, really? And yeah, it, did, it <laughs> oh, actually okay. had a bit of it did have a did. double boost up there. People being like, "Oh, work from home, that Fifth Harmony song." <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I watched the video clip um, a few days ago, and yeah, it was pretty much just like um, them on a building site with buff dudes. Ah, uh, yeah. Basically saying we can work from home and then it mentioned between the bed sheets ah, so right. I figure it wasn't sort of uh, Excel spreadsheets and teams meeting but more um, finger slaying but that's that's okay that's Fifth sure. Harmony's prerogative so really she really is like she's the Justin Timberlake of Fifth Harmony she's mm. the, the one who's done the best out of this yeah she quit and then went on to do this which is um, yeah yeah look Fifth Harmony um, she's got a good look for the time she reminds yep. me of uh, Jenny Ortega, who's that other uh, South American actress who's playing Wednesday on that. Oh, yeah. Wednesday yeah. Adams, who's currently seems to be in every movie the way some people sometimes want to do. She's really leaning into the sort of cutesy Latina vocal affectations here for someone who hasn't lived in South America for a long time. But yep. uh, it doesn't help that Mendes is a f- better singer than her. Mm. And also that they've dropped some sort of. 2001 Britney auto-tune oh, yeah, filter yeah, yeah. over her voice and it kind of it frankly it sounds less like sort of sexual desperation that they're aiming for and more like a teenage girl griping about being refused entry to the skis lounge just because <laughs> they've audibly had six pre-mixed bundies and their ID says their name is Dr. Gareth Busey but yeah she's got this they've really I can't even do it it's they've given her this kind of nasal twist yeah to it and yeah it's just and also it's not the it's the annoying kind of auto-tune where they've used it enough so that you can tell that they're using it but not enough that it's actually meant to be sort of a, a, a artistic choice it just sounds weird she just sounds like a weird sex robot oh, yeah. and, and they don't do that to her previous song no like her previous that Havana's got a bit of work on it but she sounds relatively normal she sounds like J-Lo or something whereas here especially doing a duet with someone doing a normal voice yeah. it just sounds really odd to yeah me. it does her vocals are, you know I'd be requesting to go back to the office Tom I think if I had to put up <laughs> with that right. sort of take the fucking affection. day off yeah. I'd say yeah so look this song was um um, I think written by a, a, a group of people yes, as is usually it sure the case was. so um, obviously I think what happened was I think Mendes and um, Camilla they wanted to do a duet together um, they were in a relationship I believe I'm yep. not sure whether it was before or after this song um, and it was you know as we know <laughs> faked I yep. believe so they they got together they discussed doing this bit of apprehension I think about sort of doing a Latino flair type whatever the fuck this is from <laughs> Mendez's part but they finally agreed to do it sure uh, Mendez 
recorded his vocals for the song, wrote the lyrics, recorded his vocals, mm-hmm. FaceTimed uh, Camilla, and they started working on her parts, the vocal harmonies, what she mm-hmm. was going to do, and then she did her vocals. So it was completed. They completed the songs apart, I think, doing that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And it was being mixed and ready to go, completely finalised, when Camilla came up with the lyric... You say we're just friends, but friends don't know the way they taste. Which wasn't in the original song. Ah, okay. She insisted on that lyric being on the song. It was already being mixed. It was getting ready to be released. And she said, we've got to get this lyric in there. Mm. So then Mendez had to come back in, re-sing his harmonies just for this one line. This raises a couple of questions. Yeah. That's the shitty pop equivalent of having your boss say at 5.30 on a Friday, oh, hey, Tom, can you just do this one thing before you go home tonight? And you're like going, get the fuck out of here. Not only are they asking you to do one thing at 5.30, but it's a stupid fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, is that lyric so fucking great that it just has to be in this song? Just put it in another song. Just say, I love this lyric. Just put it in your next song. I mean, you think it would have made it to the number one without that, you know, would have been a number one song without that line, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you think fans that like the song are listening to it thinking, it's okay, but it'd be good if there was something in there about friends not knowing how they taste. No. So, you know, it would have been a hit regardless. So, you say we're just friends, but friends don't know the way they taste. Is that a cannibal reference? (laughs) <laughs> or is that a sucking on a dick reference? It's a sucking on a dick reference. Yeah. I mean, the sad thing is the lyrics in this are so mundane that that probably is the most yeah, interesting thing. But yeah. as you say, that's got nothing to do with the success of the song. The success of the song is for one reason, which is just that little catchy salsa bit. when you come, That's it. That's and, it. She's, and she's quite yeah. cute. That could and be sung in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be so. fine. Yeah, look... Um, the video was nominated for Best Choreography at the MTV Music Awards, which is a bit odd because it doesn't feature any choreography. <laughs> Fuck. It's no. like a Levi's ad from 2003 and is either about two young poor people in love, yep. a rock star coming from overseas and banging a hotel maid, which is a bit weird. Mm. given that the hotel maid appears to be played by a Mexican, whereas the guy appears to be played by a white guy. Or else, number C, the forbidden pleasures of room service staff banging in your hotel bed while you're out, yep. uh, except less interesting, you know? I mean, I, it really is so dull, I couldn't even think of anything interesting to say about it. Her last video for her Vanna, where she's pretending to be in a telenovela for mm. two minutes at the start for no obvious was reason, better. was far like better than this shit. Yeah. You reckon when when Sean Mendes shows up on the motorcycle, do you think they had to get a stunt double in for that? Because he looks like a dude who could barely ride a BMX. Yeah, like, sort of going, I didn't even. I thought it was a scooter. I didn't even notice. It was I a think motorbike. it was. Yeah, he's wearing a leather jacket, which I assume yeah. they had to CGI on later because he just looks like a dude that um. He either he's very that. very handsome in a sort of uh, smooth skinned Iglesias type way, or they've done some Photoshop stuff to his face because his face looks very Kendall-esque but yep. he might just have a Kendall-esque face he, might do. he, he certainly might do. does not look Latin American at all no yeah. no no hey how would I know uh, did this make you want to go to South America or possibly um, bang a hotel cleaning um, or both 
if I didn't have to listen to this song, <laughs> I'd definitely go to South America. So for sure. Um, Personally, I found. Uh, it I think a cocaine authentic. binge would probably yeah, make that the might song help. passable. But yeah, I found it less authentic and politically engaging when compared to something like the song Tequila by ALT and the Lost Civilization. <laughs> Correct. But yeah. then I really get called Senorita or banged in a hotel, so yeah, what, what yeah. do I know? You know, perhaps I'm missing out. Definitely. Um, tequila, someone should cover that, shouldn't they? Really, so that <laughs> should. very good. Or sort of, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, sort of a cover. It's been covered already. 50 times, yeah, I think, so... <laughs> Absolutely. Um, lyrics. Uh, well, as you said, this is somehow written by Ali Tamposi, Benny Blanco, Camilla Cabello, Cashmere Cat, Charlie XCX, Jack Patterson, Sean Mendes, and somebody called Watt. Oh, good. I love it when you call me Senorita. I wish I could pretend I didn't need ya, but every touch is ooh la la la. It's true la la la. Yep. See, what the eight credited writers have done there, Ben, is rhyme all-la-la with true-la-la. Yep. That's why they get the big bucks. Absolutely. Well, 12.25% of the big bucks anyway, assuming this was all evenly divided yep. up between the eight human beings yeah. it took to write this boring bullshit. Look, here, I think what we need to finally admit as a society, Tom, is that Whenever someone says ooh la 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 in a song, we just go fucking ape shit for it. I don't know what it is. There must be something in the human brain that's just like ooh la la well, la or, ooh la 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 like you throw that in there and people are just like, Ooh yeah. Her, her I fucking last, love that. Her last number one, Havana, was built around that Havana ooh na na, which is just the Spanish way of saying ooh la la. People so clearly we're missing are out fucking here. morons because you throw ooh la la into a blander shit song and people are like going, mm. oh yeah, I love that catchy hook that isn't even words. We've got to get some more French pop on the charts yeah. that's built around ooh la la. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Je t'aime and a bit of ooh la la and you're f- we're going places. Exactly. Now, Shawn Mendes has 45 million listeners. Uh, Camilla Cabello has 40 million listeners. That's insane. They've probably got a big uh, sort of Latin audience that certainly Sean Mendes with his Latin yeah. roots with <laughs> his, his Canadian I roots, just mean so. there's no of way course, their yep. success could no, be no. enough to justify those um, and $28 on that one so I wonder how Fifth Harmony are doing these days oh very well <laughs> very very they've been working from home That's since 2016 <laughs> Tom so I like the fact that they promoted the song at working from home when they're in an industry where it's impossible to work from home so mm. Mm. Hey, four years ahead of COVID, yep. you know. Sometimes. Now, um, for those keeping score, that song that was only for the one week, wasn't it? 29th of July. Mm-hmm. So we're only halfway, you know, just a bit over halfway through the year, Tom. Now, yep. usually we'd have about 50 more songs to go. We would, good, but, yes. But um, 5th of August, the next song... That gets us through to the end of the year. It's crazy, so isn't it? It's a it's a track that is number one for a full half of a year, mm. basically, effectively. Um, and of course, I'm referring to none other than "Dance Monkey" by Tones and I, Tom. Mm-hmm. We've got to that point now. The problem with doing this podcast, yeah. I find, is that at times you have to talk about 
terrible songs and we've had to do that in the past many 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 times and talking about terrible songs is hard enough but this is exacerbated by the fact that you know there are songs groundbreaking and life-affirming just around the corner that you'd rather be talking about yes such as this one (laughs) sure Uh, some may say how did your kids feel about this one Ben? I mean, I asked that because this hits at about the same emotional level as the Baby Shark song, mm. or perhaps Johnny Johnny Yes Papa by Lulu Kids, mm-hmm. the most popular song in the entire vein of human history measured yep. by YouTube video plays. Yep. And initially, when I heard this, I did think that it was one of those songs. I thought it, I assumed it was a kind of a kids' novelty yep. YouTube type song. Um, and I mean, it could be. Really? Yeah, absolutely. If you just put some dancing sharks in this video, like or monkeys even, to suggest the title. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, both my kids really like this song, Tom. Um, oh. I should point out that at the time, uh, my son was three <laughs> and my daughter had just turned one. So they right loved it. In the right in the game. demographic hitting zone that I think Tones and I had established for this mm. song. So they really liked it. Um, but funnily enough, now that they're six and four, mm. they don't like they've it. Aged out so of they've it, aged yeah. out of it. Yeah. And Ed Sheeran. And Ed Sheeran as enough. well. I mean, people might say, Tom, when are you going to stop making these jokes about artists, you know, whose music is targeted to three-year-olds just because you're turning 45 this year, to which I reply, as soon as they stop making fucking songs that sound like they were written for three-year-olds and by three-year-olds. Yeah, this is terrible. Yeah. Now... Who knew, Tom, and this is something I didn't know before this song came out, but who knew that the combination of pseudo-scatting and baby voice would produce a song so potent it would become the longest-running number one song in Australia of all time. It's crazy, isn't it? I wouldn't have thought that a vocal performance this fucking annoying would be the thing that would get, like... There's that sort of baby voice nasally. It's not just baby voice. She's doing she's doing like a cartoon Bjork impression. It's not just baby <laughs> voice. It's like baby Scandi voice. Yeah. I mean, like you say, that is the... Why is she doing it? That's the real question this song asks. Because her name is Tony Watson and she's from the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah. She does not... She I've listened to her in interviews... She doesn't explain why she's doing it, and she sounds just like someone from Melbourne. Yeah, you know, she does it in her previous song too. The yes. follow-up question is: Is it more annoying being able to sing without auto tune than choosing to sing in a stupid fake accent like this, or is it more annoying to use auto tune with your real accent to sound like a bitchy teenager, like in Camilla Cabello? Do you reckon? Yeah, look, I think that's a really fair question. Auto-tune, I thought, really put a song in a specific time frame. You know what I mean? Yes. I would have thought that (laughs) auto-tune said, oh, this is heavily auto-tuned, it's from... 2002 but I've been proven wrong because what yeah, the tune has a somehow persisted just, yeah. and then it went out of fashion and it came back it's it there's been so many boom and bust yeah, auto tune and some genres use it more than others exactly exactly yeah. people use it sort of ironically but then people use it ironically to the point where it's like are you just using this <laughs> seriously now so it's hard to say yeah. so that becomes quite difficult um so yeah I, I know what you're saying auto tune could sort of 
depending on how you're using it, pinpoint a song to a specific era. Whereas Tones and I are using this vocal sort of, it could be universal. It's terrible <laughs> at all times whenever it's released. It would have been terrible in 1982, <laughs> terrible right. in 2019. Exactly it would be right. terrible in 10 years' time. So the fact that but people... But she is actually doing it. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. This is not auto-tune. She yep. is, she's making this noise she's with her making, mouth. Yep. She's, it, yeah. It's a conscious decision to do this. Now, and, and as I just pointed out, uh, in the history of the ARIA charts, this podcast, we started looking back in 1983 when the ARIA charts started. From mm. that through to now, 2019, we're up to, this is the longest running number one song in that whole time. But not even that. It's not just the ARIA charts. It's the precursor to the ARIA charts. Um, so the best ARIA chart song we spoke of in terms of length, Ed Shear in The Shape of You. Yep. That was the previous uh, longest one. But in terms of all charts that have ever been done in yes, Australia, uh, Bing Crosby's version of White Christmas mm-hmm. spent 22 weeks on top of the charts back in 1943. It sure did. And this has eclipsed that. Now, back in 1943, Tom, I can understand White Christmas <laughs> spending 22 weeks at the top of the charts. Yep. For one, we were in World War II. <laughs> yes. It was during the war. Yeah. We didn't have... People were not recording new songs during that time. We were more concerned about (laughs) fighting the Nazis. The actual Nazis, not sort of um, the Nazis we fight now online (laughs) that sort of say things we don't agree with. But um, And also, there was just sweet fuck all to do back in 1943. Mm. So Bing Crosby records that song. It's on the charts forever. But today, Tom, people have choices. There is no excuse for this to top the charts for no. the 21 weeks. And I think it actually shows up for three more weeks next year. Yeah, to I think do it's a, a combined 24-week total. total. So, look, I really want to know. I've talked about this before. How many listens were passive listens? You know, how many listens are on shitty office party yep. playlists that you just had to listen to? You know, though this might have been the result of some sort... I, you know, I thought that perhaps, look... Did someone poison the water supply in Australia? <laughs> Did someone drop some drugs in there? I don't really know. Yeah. But it turns out it's this song before. topped the charts in 30 countries. Yeah, no, seriously. So it, wasn't, it must have been an international water poisoning situation. Even remember. in America, it was got to number four on the Billboard charts. Like It, it, it was legitimately huge. It's yep. not just us. It, yeah. Um, yeah, and it started out with sort of legit kind of viral play. Like, it... Um, the her previous uh, song, the one that got her name heard, uh, Johnny Runaway, mm. uh, was it, before she had. There was no record label or actual releases or anything. She uploaded it to Triple J Unearthed, oh, yeah. the the radio station that uh, has it. You know, you can just upload any old song from anyone, and they'll play the best ones that they reckon on the radio, and that got you know enough play. And that was only, um, you know, earlier this year. And then by the end of the year, she's put out, the, you know, the subsequent follow-up, which they've taken up. And from there, it's just exploded across the internet and through uh, via the radio. She still doesn't even have an album. This comes off her first release, which is an EP. Uh, and Yeah. So at this age, she's somewhere between 19 and 26 because, you know, she's yeah, not yeah. willing to disclose her actual age. But in the interviews, she sounds like she's 20, you know. She's used to folding clothes in Target, then 
quit that job to be a busker, you know, the way yeah. you do. Uh, she's only, even then, she's only been busking for two years and then suddenly she's, you know, touring the world, you know. I mean, you, you could say, hey, you must have some talent when you see how long some buskers have been doing their, their stuff for. Although by the same token, those buskers are the competition that she was up against. You know, true. So, you know, that crazy guy on heroin who bangs the spoons together, <laughs> you know, for the last 30 years in the Fremantle Mall, I don't think uh, he was going to be picked up on unearthed anytime soon. <laughs> exactly. But, but as you mentioned, Tom, yeah, like this was sort of became viral and went, and went quite big um, to the point that this was actually declared the most Shazam song of all time. Yeah. In, uh, with 36... Point six million searches. Um, the platform published that list at the end of 2020 and said, across <laughs> all the time Shazam's been operating, this is the song that's been Shazam the most. Now, which is to say, what's that song playing in yeah, the background? Yeah, exactly. That I've never heard it for of. sure. Yeah. Now, do we know how many people wanted to know what the song was <laughs> so they could listen to it again later? And how many were saying, what in the living fuck is this? I never want to listen to this again in my life. We don't know. Shazam have not released that data. Mm. But I think it's probably the latter. A lot of people Shazamming it just be like, oh, Tones and I, I'll make sure that if anyone brings that up in conversation, I'll say, oh, yeah, without hyperbole, these are some of the worst vocals I've heard in the last 3,000 years. Or I suppose third option, it could be... uh, another time traveler the guy who started uh, Lulu Kids um, on the phone holding it up saying hey Gary this is that sound you've always been waiting for (laughs) we're going to make a million dollars we're just going to go back in the past and write Johnny Johnny Yes Papa and the Baby Shark song (laughs) (laughs) they've all got to be animal themed it's animals that's what people want they do they do That's what they do. Now, Tones and I, as you mentioned, Tom, she wrote this song when she was a busker playing for tips, um, Byron Bay in New South Wales. She loved the freedom of busking, (sighs) but was dismayed by certain types of people, drunks and idiots who could, you know, ruin the experience of Mm -hmm. busking. She came to the realisation that attention spans were getting shorter. (laughs) Entertainment is now just a click away. So she had to tighten up her act to get people to stick around for any length of time and watch mm-hmm. her perform. She said that this made her feel like a trained monkey, which inspired the song. And there was a specific yes. night that led to Tones and I writing this particularly. She said, I'd been busking for six hours. One person ran past, stole the money. Another was drunk and tried to lean over and play my keyboard. The crowd was very drunk and rowdy. I said, I'm sorry, but this is it. They tried to get me to keep playing. Then they started booing me. It was so frustrating because it showed me how people didn't have much patience anymore. (laughs) So we have the people of Byron Bay to blame for this song, Tom. So many other things. but By extension, is Byron Bay the worst place in Australia? (laughs) Well, the only musicians that I know specifically as coming from Byron Bay are Angus and Julia Stone and that twat from who wrote Feels Like Woe. (laughs) <laughs> who complained that being on X Factor wasn't the fucking star, the rocket to stardom that yeah. who's so boring I can't remember his Is name. Is that my Parkway Driver from? <laughs> I can't remember. Look, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, just if you're not from Australia, it's sort of famously known for the kind of pretentious alternative lifestyle hipsters 
and you know the kinds of people who you know go busking expecting they're going to get a career instead of getting a hat full of money to go and get beer money with and don't seem to realise that playing to piss people and have somebody leaning over and touching your keyboards it's just hundred percent of the fucking job yeah, look, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's definitely the worst place in Australia. Two words. That, you know what that story suggests to me, Ben? Mm. Exactly two words. Yep. The first word is rich, and the second word is parents. Oh. But, you know, I could be wrong. Could be wrong, we'll find out. Rich we'll find or out. otherwise, she's now worth approximately $35 million. So, yeah. you know, that's not bad for a busker, I'll give her that. And I dare say she's made 35 of that $35 million off this one song because she's done a sweet <laughs> yeah. fuck all of consequence since. But we'll get to that in a didn't second. Did Ed Sheeran start out as a busker as well? <laughs> I think he did, yeah, exactly. And end as a busker? Uh, as a, as a that's bad. That's exactly what he sounds like still. <laughs> exactly. And looked like. Now, Tom, when you decide to call your debut album Welcome to the Madhouse, then you know the content contained within is going to be terrible. Welcome to the Madhouse. Yep, I'm just a crazy character and listen Listening to this album is like a trip to the old mental asylum, Tom. <laughs> Although it is hard to believe that someone that chose the stage name Tones and I could make poor creative decisions, I guess. We don't really know. That's right. Um, you've seen the music video to this? Um, yes, I have. Yeah, I think everyone has, unfortunately. <laughs> Probably just while in shops or something. But um, Tones and I is dressed as an old man, mm-hmm. causing havoc on the golf course. It has absolutely nothing to do with the song and was apparently thought up as a fun idea by Tones and I, independent of the track itself. Mm. I think she came up with the idea before she'd actually written the song. Uh, this would be a fun yes. idea. Did she come up with the idea independently to the film Bad Granddad? Or that, <laughs> yeah. the Jackass spin-offs with yeah. the Bad Granddad, which yep. is exactly what the video is, which happened like 10 years before this. <laughs> sure. So, um, Apparently the old Tones character provides you know uh, sorry the old tones character was quite popular and the low budget video garnered hundreds and thousands of views and tones had to say this I have the kind of personality that is silly but it also protected me the old tones the old man protected me you know from being really camera shy and stuff so she dressed up as a character (laughs) to try and you know yeah. avoid having to be herself. Well, I will say, to be fair to her, she doesn't have the traditional sort of manufactured pop star look. No, she no. doesn't look like Ariana Grande, so she's not going to do that in her videos, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you got to do something, but, yeah, you know, putting on a rubber suit and pretending to be an old guy, that was probably fun. I think it was just filmed at a golf club in Victoria. They just drive around in golf carts and be dickheads, you know. Yeah. So look, anyway, Tom, off the back of obviously Dance Monkey and the video clip we've just spoken about with the Mm -hmm. old Tones, um, the out-of-nowhere success of Dance Monkey made Tones and I a significant sum of cash, as you just talked about. She was able to move out of the van and has become a a property mogul of some sort. She's purchased several properties. Dare I say a lot of other (sighs) people made a lot of money out of this, Um, you know. Not just Tones and I, but I guess, you know, songwriters, producers, yep. managers, etc. So they're very invested in, in chasing that high again for that sort of follow-up <laughs> single and, and sort of more financial reward. Mm. They've obviously looked at the aspect of Dance Monkey and tried to recreate this for another single. 
you know, the follow-up um, and all of Tones and I follow-up singles have been beyond terrible, suggesting that Tones and I, she's more of a broken clock is right twice a day scenario <laughs> than the future of pop music, I, I dare suggest. I so. any of her others except oh. for the previous one, which was okay, that Johnny... Run, Johnny, run around. Yeah, still baby she voice. sings it still in that terrible, yeah. weird fake Bjork accent, but, but yeah. it's the actual song is okay. All it's the not... follow-ups are atrocious, Tom. Oh, okay. um, one of the follow-up singles that she did release, um, which she thought could be another hit, was titled "You're So Fucking Cool," which is has to be the absolute worst topic <laughs> to write a song about. Mm. Oh, I went somewhere. And everyone was really cool, and I was like, oh, you guys are so oh, cool. Yeah. So Daniel Johns tackled this on Freak, uh, I believe, about <laughs> 20 years ago in yeah. a song that, um, 10 times better than this, a, a million <laughs> times, a fa- I don't think there's a multiplier, well, a number exists. That's what I was talking about. That's the basically the same topic of that yeah. Bieber and Ed Sheeran song, and it's about as believable from them as Exactly. Well. So anyway, Tones and I, she's dressed up as the old man in Dance Monkey. Yep. Um, we've seen that and in the video clip for um, You're So Fucking Cool she dresses up as about 10 people the party goers oh okay so she's at the party there's yep. Tones and I's come up to the party then all the guests at the party oh. are also Tones and I in, in different costumes so what I'm Tones and I she's basically the new Eddie Murphy at this point is what I'm saying Tom. <laughs> sure so yep. if, the, if the career doesn't work out she can probably do like a sort of you know clumps Style, nutty professor style thing or maybe even a Chris Lilly style Netflix show where she <laughs> plays all the characters maybe even some blackface just for media attention so we have that to look forward to mm. so I'm calling it now Tones and I is the new Eddie Murphy so watch out for that now Lilly. here's a question I've been wanting to ask you Tom yeah. what's the standard length of time before an artist can be classified as a one hit wonder <laughs> what sort of What's that length That's in time? That's a good question. Is there that a formula? Is a question. I mean, there's always going to be the outliers, you know, a train that releases, you know, drops yeah. of Jupiter and then waits a full decade before they get something like That's Hey Soul true. Sister out. But I think for the most part, probably you have a massive hit like two years, three years, four years, something like that yeah. range. If you haven't hit again by that, you're probably going to be a one <laughs> well, hit. Like you used to say, in the old days, it was pretty easy to tell. It was usually if their second album was either a greatest hits or yeah. Christmas album <laughs> without a, without a without a second album of original music, then that yep. probably meant that you were a, a one hit. That's wonder. true. I mean, we we do recall Vanilla Ice went um, straight into the live <laughs> album about three months after the album yes. came out, and then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two soundtrack. So by the time his second album dropped. <laughs> All the goodwill he'd earned from Ice Ice Baby and Burn Away. So look, this is what I think though, Tom. We can call Tones and I a one-hit wonder at this point. I'm not counting the follow-up single, Never Seen the Rain, which did release, which is fucking awful. That hit number three on the charts, but I'm not going to count that as the gravitational force of a big hit can drag the follow-up single significantly further up the charts than what it would have otherwise have landed. Now, given that Dance Monkey was the biggest song that has ever been on the ARIA charts in the history of time, and as you just mentioned, has probably earned Tones and I somewhere in the vicinity of $30 million alone off that single. That song, Dance Monkey, is effectively 
the song equivalent of the gravitational pull of the sun. Mm. So without Dance Monkey, my calculation suggests that the follow-up Never Seen the Rain would have landed somewhere at around two to 300 on the charts, <laughs> I dare say. But Dance Monkey pulled it up to number three. Sure. Uh, nothing else she's done has cracked the top 20. She's oh, released several other yeah. follow-up singles, but nothing else has been able to get any higher up than the top 20. Which, given how Dance Monkey, how big that song was, so shows just how terrible the follow-up yeah. material is. She's had Dance Monkey after that. No one has given a shit about the rest of it because it's so bad. That's true. And, I mean, with I mean, she's fairly young, but even then, your first album traditionally is the... You know, if you've got talent, your first album is the easiest in some ways because it's got all the material you've been working on up to that point, even if it may yep. be a bit... Not, not easiest, but it... it if you've got material built up, you know, that you've been, and then you break through, that's the one where you put all your ideas. And then, you know, the second album's the tough one because now you've got to write a bunch of new stuff. You know, even as, you know, artists develop as they go along. But if, yep. <laughs> if your best song happens before your first album's even come out, and then all that, nothing on the album is even close to the success of the song that you wrote before, you know, that album came out, then. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe she needs to get back out on the streets of friggin' wherever she was busking. Exactly. I mean, I live in Melbourne and I have no idea where she was busking. I suppose she was only doing it for two years. Not sure. Maybe she was in, you know, Hawthorne or something. Well, I think she I think she moved to Byron Bay for the for the busking. Oh, okay. she's from the Mornington she, Peninsula. She's from, think, so. Yeah, you're right. Probably you could probably bust down at Frankston. No, or something, that sure. makes way more sense. Now, yeah. Tom Tones and I recently got married in married in Bali. I don't know if you saw this story. No. Um, the location of said wedding uh, in no way surprises me, Tom. I think Tones and I does scream Bali wedding to she me. I sure think across does. the board. Now she almost drowned. And had to be saved by lifeguards at her at the wedding. Oh, so apparently, yeah, unfortunately. Thank goodness so the lifeguards were there. Imagine if she'd drowned. Uh, she's already the Jeff Buckley of our generation, I dare say, from a musical point of view. I'd hate to see her go out the same way as he did. Um, and think of all the music that would have missed out on mm. yourself, us, society, if she'd <laughs> sunk to that watery grave. Uh, years and years of baby voice, scatting, lost to the mistress we call the ocean fortunately she did survive and we now have that bitter divorce album to look forward to i dare say so but uh yeah so i think the story was she said she almost drowned but i think someone just had to come in and bring her aboard she was on like a inflatable boat that oh, started okay. sinking or something All so right. i think it was a little bit overpowered. hey look you know you've only got 35 million dollars you need something to sell yep. a new idea yeah now tom there is a cruel irony to this song. Mm-hmm. Tones and I indicated that it was written after that particularly bad night of busking about how she felt the attention spans were getting shorter, that entertainment is just a click away, <laughs> and this made her feel like a train monkey. We spoke about that before. Yeah. Now, this song is a reaction against that feeling, not wanting to feel like a train monkey while people are looking at her, wanting to be entertained. However, unfortunately... This is the song that she will be known for for the rest of her life. And anyone uh, who will want her on a live TV performance, Mm -hmm. in an interview, (laughs) this will be the song that they're going to ask her about forever. 
So Tones and I will have to become, I guess, that metaphorical trained monkey and perform this song over and over and over again, which is a song about not wanting to be a trained monkey. So in Mm. essence, her anti-novelty song has become a novelty song. She has to get up on stage and sing about the very thing uh, that she (laughs) hates about the audience, and that is in turn the only thing that the audience wants from her. Mm. So... In many Very ways, well observed. yes. In many ways, <laughs> no, in, right. in many ways, she has to now trot out yeah. the same shit over and over and over again to an audience that only wants this. But the song is about the complete opposite of that. I was thinking about what you've mentioned in an earlier podcast about what actually constitutes a novelty song. Like, for instance, you could say. This is bordering on novelty song territory because it's someone doing a completely fake voice. It's a weird vocal affectation which creates this kind of strange, kind of kid-friendly vibe to it. This sort of silly, weird thing. And it looks as though, as you say, this may be, if not a novelty song, at least a one-hit wonder. But then, like, it's sort of that kind of odd little fake Scandinavian-sounding weird quirky vocal thing might have been the thing that pushed this over the line from you know catchy dance charts bop into worldwide success you know yep. because people listen to things in weird ways but then that also that kind of quirkiness especially once people figure out that it's an affectation might be the thing that dooms this to being a one-hit wonder you know because once people know it's all bollocks oh look you know that it's all fake you know or or because they've approached it as a novelty hit then it, it's inherently sort of limited you know i think it's safe to say that tones and i is definitely a one-hit wonder at this point <laughs> um unless she does a train on us and drops something else in five years yeah, time, there's always a get out clause there if is, you, yeah, if you exactly. show up on the charts get, five yeah, years later for you know, sure um, yeah, look, maybe saying it, an anti-novelty song has become a novelty song isn't quite correct, but certainly her song about not pandering to oh, the no, audience. I think you're totally right. I'm, I'm not. I wasn't yeah. disagreeing no, no, with no. you. I'm just saying it. it, it yeah, that, it just. But I think yeah. If it, at the very least, it's a song about not wanting to pander to your audience, but then oh, she's going to have to do that forever. No, you're exactly so. right. That's that's the fate of all one yep. hit wonders. So if you're writing a song about being a trained monkey, and then you do, then you end up having to be <laughs> the trained monkey to that. So yeah. I mean, you know, I suppose if she hadn't heard thirty five million, then the ultimate irony would be if you ended up back on the street busking, except now you had to always play this song. Oh, it's <laughs> horrendous. What a horrendous way to live. Uh, look, we don't drop too many exclusives on this show, Tom, mm-hmm. but look, we've done our research and I can say the following. Have you seen the wedding pictures of Tones and I or an Instagram account no, recently? No, I believe that the person getting around as Tones and I, performing as Tones and I, and getting married as Tones and I is not the Tones and I that we all know and love from Dance Monkey. <laughs> I think she's pulled an MF Doom and oh, is really? just sending random people out <laughs> to perform her material. Okay. I saw a photo of her wedding and I said, that could be fucking anybody. <laughs> I saw a photo that she'd uploaded to her Instagram and I thought, I don't really know whether that's Tones and I. So... I think that as we spoke about before with the whole not Mm. wanting to be a novelty performer and do your own shit over and over and over again, I'd say that she couldn't handle having to go out 
and perform her I'm not a trained monkey song like a trained <laughs> monkey every night to people. So she hired a stand-in Tones and I for all future work, mm. including the wedding. <laughs> She's getting hot, ahead of it. Hot exclusive here, Tom. <laughs> There's a fake Tones and I out there doing all of her stuff. Yeah, so I mean, that would explain that, you know, in her biggest video, she's wearing full body camouflage, you know? Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. then in her next video, more camouflage. For sure. Look, there sure. is, we're getting, we're almost at the end of the year, as you said, but there is one small blip in the, one tiny little island in the massive flat sea of Tones and I. Oh, sorry, I did say this is going to take us through the end of the year. I wasn't exactly... <laughs> Wasn't right, was not it? Exactly. Quite, no, no. Not quite, no. Uh, there is, once again, for one week, 30th of December, <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. That, along with um, uh, along with Shallow by, you know, uh, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, that is our other returning hit, you know, for this year. Jeepers, creepers. Uh, yeah, so the Queen of Christmas is back, Ben. Uh, I tried to copyright the name Queen of Anzac Day, but the RSL were less than accepting. <laughs> oh, the worst. And frankly, they didn't like my parade outfit at all. Damn. You know, There aren't any World War One diggers left alive, Ben, so how can they prove that Taffeta wasn't worn at Gallipoli? That's they don't, they can't say that. They, they can't, can't say that. They can't. But apparently Australia still wasn't ready for my pink armband version of history. Are indeed pink armbands worn during a military parade largely commemorating fallen servicemen even though statistically about 6% of them would have been gay. So, oh, yeah. You know, probably more, really. Oh, no doubt. Uh, yeah, look, so I just thought I might wrap up the year with a few updates to things we'd previously mentioned beforehand. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Afro Man update. Yep, good. Uh, did we, dis- we discuss Afro Man last time? Af- oh, don't, I don't think so. You, you, you know, we talked about Afro Man because he did, wrote the song Because uh, I Got High, oh, yeah. which was a number one hit on the ARIA charts. And yeah, I just wondered what you thought about watching him. Did you see his uh, his house getting raided I for did. drugs, Absolutely. which he then turned into a music video? Yep. He's now released a second song based on that same raid called Lemon Pound Cake, which is about the fat cop who took away his cake. Stole uh, his cake? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. And plus got a lot of media exposure. Fantastic. Uh, the raid was for narcotics and kidnapping, uh, neither of which they found. Uh, as he notes in his first song, they did not find any kidnapping victims in his suit pockets <laughs> or between the folds of the money that they confiscated out of his house. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, ladies with enormous cans update. Okay. Um, after appearing after appearing in the 2017 hit "I'm the One" by DJ Khaled, Bieber, and a bunch of other knobs. Yeah. Uh, Russian ex Playboy model Irina Ivanova had to struggle for a year to get the prosive lucky anti vagina Khaled to cough up the twelve hundred and fifty dollars. US he owed her for the shoot Uh, quote they reached out to me on Instagram and asked if I wanted to be the lead and they needed me to be there in 8 hours I lived in Arizona and it was in California it wasn't a problem I bought my own ticket and did my own makeup and hair after that she rode a horse in a bikini and stilettos in the opening shot of a video with well over a billion views 
for a song shot in front of a mansion entirely themed around the extravagant wealth and success of the gold teeth penis having fuckwits on the verses and then they stiffed her on her piss week fee which presumably means that this is a regular thing they do to their video dancers most of whom would have less followers than an ex playboy playmate I can only say that DJ Khaled you fucking played yourself that's so lame oh dude sucks Twelve fifty. Dude, dude sucks shit. And making the dancers buy their own plane tickets to come to your shoot. Oh, man, how lame is that? Oh, and uh, Ticketmaster update uh, after we were talking about um, uh, Taylor Swift struggling with Ticketmaster for her world tour where they completely shat the bed on that one. Uh, Robert Smith is currently trying to fight Ticketmaster's pricing by choosing his own ticket prices instead of using Ticketmaster's proprietary dynamic maxi shafter algorithm. Uh, <laughs> it turns out that even if you make the tickets non-transferable, so they can't be resold, and charge 20 bucks for some seats just to keep things fair, they'll still double your prices by adding bullshit charges and so forth. And if even if you don't fight them, then post-Taylor Swift, they've clearly done fuck all to change their existing policies. For instance, tickets for another high-profile tour after Taylor's tour, headlined by Drake and 21 Savage, went on sale last week and fans were quickly enraged by the sky-high pricing of the pre-sale seats, with one Twitter user writing, Drake smoking dick with these ticket prices. (laughs) And I don't think I can summarise Drake's career better than that sentence, Ben. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. Oh, and one other thing, uh, we were talk- We all know about the revolutionary solo project, <laughs> which used identical twins, the Veronicas, to promote vodka f- cruises via the crucial and ever pe- pertinent social issue of chicks not flicking the bean enough. Uh, well, cruises are now selling a new line of drinks, which are just UDLs with extra booze in them. They're called doubles, and the ads use identical twins in them, but not the Veronicas. So the timing of this split to me suggests that the brand and the sisters must have had a different vision for the future of the product, mm. you know. Where do you think they diverged creatively? Do you think one masturbation anthem was enough? And then... Yeah, look, I dare say that the Veronica said we'll only promote wank material. <laughs> uh, and they said, what about double up on alcohol content? <laughs> they went, we want nothing to do with that. So. No. We want sober masturbation exactly. or at least slightly buzzed masturbation. Exactly. I thought that maybe the sisters, after they'd gone solo in the solo project, were now ready, as I'd previously suggested, to take the brand in a direction more to do with like normalising the idea of inter-sibling incest, yeah. which you have got to admit would certainly fit the brief of doubles and taking things to a new level. And it would be yeah. on brand for the Veronicas very That's much right. so. And you'd have to have drunk a few to go through with it, but yep. you know... Yeah, sadly, they don't have the vision of us to release, you know, a full album oh, specifically look, about incest. I think I'm I'm sad to see that uh, the Veronicas and Vodka Cruises are no longer working together. So I thought that was like a lifetime sort of collaboration, I thought. You know, I think the, the alignment of the values of the Veronicas and Vodka Cruises <laughs> was, was very, you That's know, right. solid. And I thought that, you know... Promoting femme fun. Yeah, exactly right. Was- Unless exactly. that was a tampon ad I dreamed about. <laughs> Not sure, but disappointing. But look, I'm sure they might come back together in the future, mm. so for sure. 
I can one can only hope. Absolutely. <laughs> Possibly riding horses in a bikini. Yes, 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 yes. Not don't fucking do it for DJ Khaled though. No, He'll stiff clearly. you on the feet. So. Okay. Definitely. All right. Well, that's it. That's it for the yeah, year. That's so twenty nine and twenty nineteen and the decade. The the tens. Twenty tens wrapped up. Absolutely. We'll be back next week. Um, sorry, not next week. Next episode could be could be three weeks, <laughs> could be six years. Who knows? But uh, yeah, with a decade wrap, I think we got to put together everything. Yes. Wrap up the end of the decade, and then we'll move into our current decade, the twenty twenties. Yeah. So and see yeah. what is up in the last few years. And so. sorry about the big gap there. We had a bit of uh, family issues and so forth. Yeah, indeed. But we will be back with more. To talk about not stuff. the Veronica's type of family issues. No, not, not those sort of, sorts of family issues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll be back. Um, <laughs> fuck, it, uh, there's no more. There's no more Tones and I. Is there <laughs> any or, or Bieber? I doubt I it. Not. Surely not. All right, great. <laughs> Farewell. See ya.